Citizen sleuths are focusing on the brutal slayings of four college kids. A new Paramount Plus original docuseries. This is the start of something major. Follows online detectives as they unravel the mystery of the infamous Idaho College murders. There's plenty of places to hide a weapon. And turned it into a social media phenomenon. Where are the roommates? It is a huge night. I want the truth from you. Hashtag Cyber Sleuths. The Idaho Murders. Now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Folks, if you are listening to this right now, you know this is not the voice of the Brian Campbell. It's also not in this Campbell podcast. Instead, this is the Silver King, Adam Silverstein. But don't you worry too much. BC will make an appearance on today's professional wrestling show. The truth is, guy just got back from the beach. Right near the beach. Bye. And he has a lot of professional wrestling to catch up on. Guy has not seen Hell in a Cell for better or for worse, has not seen the first SmackDown on Fox, AEW, or NXT from this week, not to mention NWA Power. But that is where BC will be joining us later in the show to talk all things NWA Power, which honestly, if you asked me one week ago whether we would be talking about NWA wrestling on the show, the answer would be no. But we will be. Not at first. We'll get there. Jack is joining me today. Jack Crosby. Crosby, gentlemen, Jack Crosby, Outback Jack. What is the preferred nickname, Jack, for you on this show? I like Outback Jack just because that's a character from my childhood. So the first day BC called me that, I popped. I popped big time. Let me ask you this. So he's been going by the Brian Campbell for quite a while. Is it <laughs> yeah. too much of a ripoff from the Brian Kendrick or is it appropriate? I think it's appropriate. Look, I'm just worried. Like, when do we tell BC that we rename the whole show the State of Crosby podcast? Yeah, you're I think like, you're, do, do we ease into that or how do we do that? I mean, look, you do have your fans. There's no doubt. But, <laughs> but, I, but I think you're jumping the gun a little bit because you have to get over. You have to get over the State of Silver King podcast before. Man, we get... I wanted to have a little fun with him. You just can't roll with me. Well, I'm just saying, look, I'm not saying it's not possible one day, but, you know, there's, an, there's a pecking order somewhat here. Um, and, and we'll get to that. I have uh, much time on my hands. Coming down the line. Well, you watch, there's the thing. You do love professional wrestling. And it's to the point where, and I'm not here to tell you what you should or should not watch. Uh, but I feel like it's a little too much, if I'm being honest. It's, well, I watch too much wrestling. I know. Yeah. Well, I, I watch way too much wrestling. Like, because I know how much you watch football and basketball and baseball and other sports, it says to me, what is Mrs. Crosby, what are Mrs. Crosby's nights like? Because I feel like it's just the afterglow of the television going from, like, 6 p.m. until 2 a.m. I'm, I'm lucky right now because she is a pro wrestling fan to a point. So she's like... Right. She's interested in AEW because it's still new. So, like, she had a lot of fun with that last night, sure. she, you, you know. But that's eventually going to wear off once once the shine wears off of them. Uh, I, I, I'm good at making time. I make my time. Fair enough. Well, we are both New York Yankee fans. We are excited to see the Yankees advance uh, to the ALCS. And, um, you know, I, I think that is taking up more of my non-wrestling, non-football time than I expected. So I'm actually behind on a couple of 
my favorite shows, um, Succession, Mr. Robot, and the like. Uh, but we will talk about all of that on a different show, the State of Silverstein uh, you know, Entertainment Hour. That's not what this is. This is the State of Combat <laughs> Professional Wrestling Podcast, Jack. And the way we start the State of Combat with Brian Campbell Professional Wrestling Podcast, you know how we do it. We jump into the main event. This is the main event! And Jack, AEW is probably fairly the talk of the professional wrestling world coming into this show, but we're actually going to start with WWE. We want to talk Raw, almost get it out of the way a little bit, but perhaps even bigger than Raw is an announcement that WWE uh, came out with, you know, shortly after the show, that Tyson Fury, the lineal heavyweight champion of the world, if you want to accept that he has that you know, quote-unquote title, uh, and former UFC heavyweight champion Kane Velasquez will be involved in a press conference this Friday at the T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas. Also in attendance, Brock Lesnar, Braun Strowman, and Triple H. You'll note that Vince McMahon is not on that list. So, Jack, I think we know where we're headed here. An announcement for two matches involving a former UFC heavyweight champion and what I consider a former boxing heavyweight champion, but currently the lineal heavyweight champion, the last man to beat uh, Vladimir Klitschko, Tyson Fury. Um, we think it's going to a ma- two-match announcement at WWE Crown Jewel, which, as you guys know, I call Blood Money in the Sand 4, uh, out in Saudi Arabia. Uh, Tyson Fury, obviously, against Brock Le- uh, Braun Strowman in some type of match, and then Brock Lesnar against Cain Velasquez, who defeated him for the UFC heavyweight championship. So, WWE is clearly making a big deal out of this. For them to hold a press conference at T-Mobile Arena in Vegas, the site of major combat sports, bouts, boxing, and MMA alike, they are trying to say, hey, WWE is more than just professional wrestling. We're crossing over here, and we want to use the name value of these two guys. So, Jack, the question for you, does this all feel like far too much of a big deal and does it feel like WWE is trying to be something it's not by bringing in Tyson Fury and Kane Velasquez, who, credit to Kane, you know, is a professional wrestler as of right now? Here's what struck me as odd about this whole announcement and press conference tomorrow is that we 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 know that it's going to be the announcement for the Crown Jewel matches. I'm 99% sure. WWE already takes enough flack for doing these Saudi Arabia shows. And I get that Tyson Fury and Cain Velasquez are huge mainstream combat sports figures, but why would you amplify this when you're already getting smashed for this Saudi Arabia deal? It's almost like it's counterproductive. Like I get what you're trying to do and I get what the end game here is, but at the end of the day, you are just, like I said, amplifying to the world that you have this deal that virtually no one really agrees with. That's what struck me as odd about the whole thing. Yeah, and and you're actually dead on about that. It struck me as odd, too, especially because when you're watching WWE television and they are promoting the Crown Jewel Blood Money in the Sand 4 event, they do not promote, hey, come watch this show on Thursday, October 31st at 1 p.m. in Saudi Arabia. They stopped doing that following the Jamal Khashoggi murders and all the the issues that they had, you know, PR-wise and and honestly just humanity-wise. Deciding to still hold their show over there, both then and now. 
that they, yeah. they didn't even mention Saudi Arabia on that broadcast. They stopped mentioning it in the lead up to it. They don't have it listed on the website. Maybe they have it as the location on like their pay-per-view event list, but they do not like in the written story material that they have promoting the show. And they do not mention it on television. So if you're going to hold this press conference with media and we were invited, CBS sports was invited out there. I did follow up with WWE, by the way, to just say, guys, what is this actually about to try to get them to tell me it's about crown jewel. They wouldn't of course. Um, but they're inviting a lot of media, national media out there to cover this. Well, you're going to announce the, the matches. Like you said, you're going to announce we're going to have this really big card with these two matches. WWE is a crossover combat sports brand, but you're opening it up to the media. What do you think the media is going to ask you? They're going to yeah. ask you. They're going to ask Triple H head to head. They're going to ask Cain Velasquez and Tyson Fury. Why are you guys going over to Saudi Arabia right now? And you're 100 percent right for them, for WWE to put themselves in a situation where this issue is going to get amplified more just seems like a really bad PR decision. And look, the PR people over at WWE, they're legitimately great, like really good guys and girls, and they've helped us out tremendously. But the combination of the AEW statement that they released saying, like, this is not a sprint, it's it's a marathon, and this, it just has me scratching my head on what they're doing over there right now. Yeah, this and, and I don't get me wrong. I love the I, like I love the the idea of this press conference. Like I love when WWE does this stuff of when course. they bring in major stars and then they will hold a separate event like the announcement tomorrow in Las Vegas of all places. Like to me, that's cool. But it's just there's that elephant in the room of simply Saudi Arabia during this whole thing. That's gonna I, I don't want to maybe saying ruin it is a s- strong phrase. But it's going to come close to just ruining the whole thing. Uh, Listen, unless they give some directive that media there cannot ask about it, in which case, if I was media in attendance, I would walk out because, you know, I'm not I'm not one to be given conditions for for coverage, you know, Um, unless that is part of it. It just seems like it's a bad idea. Now, the, the bigger question even to me is why WWE feels it's necessary to for this Blood Money in the Sand 4 event, have both Cain Velasquez and Tyson Fury. It would be one thing. If you want to bring in Tyson Fury, we discussed on the uh, incident analysis for Hell in a Cell uh, and SmackDown on Fox that you know Tyson Fury obviously has a big bout coming up. It's a PBC and ESPN co-branded, meaning Fox and ESPN kind of co- co-promoted event. So you want to get Fury out in front of the American public, in front of a big audience. Before that, I get that, right? But it feels to me completely like they are rushing this Cain Velasquez debut. They could have easily had Brock Lesnar, Rey Mysterio at Blood Money in the Sand 4 and saved the eventual Strowman-Velasquez match for WrestleMania or Royal Rumble, a major U.S. event that deserves it. Velasquez, WWE fans haven't, most of them, the 95%, have never seen him wrestle. Maybe they've caught a clip on Twitter. And the clip they caught on Twitter was him in a mask and is probably not going to be the same type of wrestling that was more Lucha Libre, of course. I'm here to stay, make make a, make a, uh, a good, good Lucha, Lucha thing. God damn. That was more Lucha Libre style, of course, and what he's going to do with Brock ain't going to be Lucha Libre style. So, Jack, I just kind of don't get it. Like, I don't get, no. did, did the Saudi Arabian government say to them, you know, bringing back The Undertaker, Shawn Michaels, Kane, and Triple H, 
wasn't good enough for us is bringing Hulk Hogan and Ric Flair over to Saudi Arabia to do a, a, a rebirth of their TNA team versus team tag team match. Uh, is that not enough for them? I don't understand why WWE honestly feels like they have to do this. Well, I'm t- two points on this. Number one, t- to what you just said, don't forget to like, did they step in and ask for something different? The last two shows, they, I mean, they've only done like the first one was, but don't forget those attendances were dropping in Saudi Arabia. Oh, dude, the first of all, they buy all the tickets and sell them for five they bucks. Were, it's all BS. It's all BS. Yeah, especially the last show, that attendance was trash compared to like the first WrestleMania, you know, greatest Royal Rumble thing we said like that. That went way down. So maybe they did ask for something different. And number two, yeah, it makes more sense to do the Tyson Fury deal over there because he has the fight to promote coming up. Plus, exactly. you're taking shine off the other heavyweight championship rematch between Anthony Joshua Joshua, and Andy Ruiz that's taking place in Saudi Arabia in December. Like Tyson Fury, like we said after Hell in a Cell, makes all the sense in the world to do this with him. And plus, whatever him and Brown are going to do is going to be just an entertaining mainstream type match. Now, the Cain Velasquez deal, no, you're right. They should not do this in Saudi Arabia. They should they should wait on this. And I don't foresee myself being here to when you guys do the crown jewel predictions. Maybe I'll maybe I will, maybe I won't. But let me <laughs> you're, just you're, you're also you're also assuming we're gonna do blood money in the sand for well, predictions. Well well then the let place. me offer a quick prediction. Here's here's what's gonna make this even worse. If Kane Velasquez needs knee surgery, I could be wrong. There's always a chance. I could see where this is going a mile away. They're gonna do this match and they're gonna do an angle where Brock ruins his knee. And then Kane has to disappear for a little bit. And then people are going to be big mad because they're going to say, well, you brought this up and Brock smashed his knee with a chair 20 times. And now we're not going to, because if he does need that major surgery, that's what they're going to do here. They're just going to have Brock ruin him, send him off, and then Kane will come back. So I, I don't know if people will be mad about that because at least to me, that's a decent storyline. It gets the surgery. You can build vignettes and video packages leading into a rematch maybe that rematch is wrestlemania obviously this is november so you're looking at five months of recovery maybe up to six i actually think that i'm going to disagree with you there i think that would be a good storyline and that would be a really good usage of velasquez to get a big name on the event appease the their new vince mcmahon's new saudi overlords while simultaneously building the match for wrestlemania so if that's the direction they go great and if in the meantime you get the brock mysterio feud for the SmackDown, or for the SmackDown Championship, I almost called it, for the WWE Championship, that's a great usage of Rey Mysterio, because, candidly, you know, I think we both probably want Rey to get one more world title run at some point during his final time with WWE, but it's not going to be against Lesnar. We just know it's not going to be. So, so that all works. Storyline-wise, I'm okay with it. It just doesn't really seem to make sense why, while you're going to use both of the bullets, the, the, for lack of a better term, by the way, I'm very sorry, the, the Tyson Fury, and Velasquez, along with Hogan and Flair, all in this one event that, by the way, they had to move off of Friday because of SmackDown yeah. now. So now it's a Thursday at 1 p.m. And, like, look, we all we hate on Blood Money in the Sand, all of them, especially four coming up. But I'm going to be lying to you if I'm not watching it live because it's WWE. It's 1 o'clock on a Thursday unless there's some breaking college football news or something else going down here at CBS Sports. That I'll be watching it. And yeah. and the truth is, we've seen from traffic, people want to read about it too. So these events do somewhat work. It's just they're against almost everything I stand for when it comes to professional wrestling. 
Yeah, it, 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 and life. it's crazy. And, and I, life, and I and, and life I, by the way. Sorry. not and, just. And I wasn't saying like you – like I like the angle. In, the, the angle I presented in theory is it, good. I just don't – let me – well, people are going to be mad. You know, like if, if that scenario were to play out, you could go on Twitter. You're going to see people that are going to be angry. Not necessarily saying you and I because I, I think it would work. But I mean I, unless the Saudis ask for this on this show, like that would be something – look, this this Fox partnership is still new. If you were if that if that was the angle, I would say, hey man, we're gonna give you Brock Lesnar versus Cain Velasquez on SmackDown on Fox, and then run that angle to close out a SmackDown. That would be even better because then you're gonna you're gonna you're guaranteed you're gonna grab those heavy ratings. Probably it'll be the highest rated show you you do to that point. But this like it's, Saudi, I just hate how Saudi Arabia makes everything feel so disgusting. I feel so dirty. Oh, it's it is it's dirty money. I mean, you actually made a really good point. That should be a main event on SmackDown. Like yeah. that, the 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 honestly, the following day, November first on SmackDown, the main event should actually be Lesnar Velasquez, and they build up this incredible show, yeah. and they get a five rating. Right? They get some insane number. But here's the thing, Jack: if on that show they ran this angle and had Brock take a steel chair to his knee, or just absolutely decimate him, or whatever whatever the case might be then people would be big mad because they'd say, you promoted this. You promised us this great match. You didn't start it until there was 12 minutes left in the show, which is a key for WWE. You know, something's going down when there's, when they start like a main event with only like seven or 12 minutes left. Um, Then they would be mad. I think because it's in Saudi Arabia for blood money in the sand for people would be more forgiving, sort of like the Brock Lesnar, Braun Strowman, where Braun Strowman cashed in the money in the bank and then Corbin basically hit him over the head with it and Lesnar pinned him, you were like, all right, at least it wasn't on a real pay-per-view. Which is where I'll give WWE credit one thing. They don't deserve a, a ton of credit with this Saudi Arabia deal. No, they, they deserve, deserve zero credit. They deserve zero credit. But I will give them credit for one thing that we've learned from these Saudi Arabia shows. They make it a point to like wink, wink to us. It's like, look, we, we have to do this, wink, wink. Mm. But and we're going to give you these big matches. But look, nothing really noteworthy is going to come out of them. Remember, we thought Roman Reigns was going to be Brock Lesnar over there. Like that was guaranteed. True. and That didn't happen. And they're like, look, we're going to give these people. But they don't know the difference. They're not smart enough to like these people ask for the ultimate warrior and Yokozuna for crying out loud. Like they don't know the difference. So we'll promise them something. But are we going to deliver the goods? Not really. Well, so don't worry about it. I will say, though, that Lesnar Reigns match. That was, was good. That was the goods. And it should have. And it. And with the ending they had, it probably should have ended with Reigns taking the title. He yeah, did. it was, but but I but my point is like WWE will do, they're like look we'll give them the BS they ask for right, but then we're going to give them BS results, and then they're not going to know the difference. We're going to take our check and we're going to come back home. Yeah, that, that is that is true. But I at the same time to say to give WWE any credit, I don't want to. So no credit to, to them. Just a, just, no, they don't get I'm any. Just a minuscule for that. No, like I, I, I at least any. appreciate that effort. They get they get zero. That. Do all this and do all this in many other yeah. countries across the world that would love to have uh, hey, w, that would yeah, love so, to have that would love to have WWE wrestling and do not regularly commit human rights violations. I'm, I'm like happy. that that Australia show last year was cool as hell. Do another one of those. Yeah, Australia, England, France, Spain. I mean, there's places to go. Japan. There's things that you can do to make things really, really exciting internationally. Without I just especially like the the London people are clamoring for a show in Wembley well, Stadium. Yes, they are, but they also want a WrestleMania. Which I think they're eventually going to get. We, if a- WWE told them, hey, guys, we're going to give you a pay-per-view, it's hell in a cell. 
They'd be, oh my, IWC, oh my God, they can't put a WrestleMania over? Like, come on, take anything. Take any good big pay-per-view. That's what they should do. All right, uh, before we close out on the Fury and Velasquez thing, let's talk about what happened Monday on Raw. So Fury closed the show in a pull-apart brawl with Braun Strowman that definitely Vince was mentally, we're going to redo Tyson and Austin, Tyson and Austin. And it felt like it to some extent. Obviously, there was less fanfare. You didn't have a entourage. There weren't photographers. And the crowd certainly was more muted. But I got to give WWE credit. They do a lot of pull-apart brawls. And they all feel the same. But six foot seven Tyson Fury going up against uh, Braun Strowman with that many wrestlers coming out. Fury throwing some air punches. Fine, you know, whatever. He's still learning how to pull. Um, but Fury doing his job. Strowman doing his job. It felt exciting to me. Even though I knew it's BS, it felt exciting to me. That was, a, yeah, it was a moment. It was the moment you were looking for because WWE, you know, they bring in celebrities all the time and we laugh and, and we'll, uh, we'll give them a lot of grief for the way a celebrity is used. But this is an instance where you're like that. Like I, I wrote in the robbery cap on CBSports.com, that accomplished what it was meant to accomplish. Right. And Tyson Fury is perfect for this role. Like the back and forth with Strowman had me dying where Strowman told him, you're, I'm going to put you down and it's not going to be for a weak ass 10 count like you had against Deontay Wilder. And then Fury on point came back and said, yeah, how many world titles have you won? Yeah. Which resonates with wrestling. Fans. Like maybe somebody told Fury to say that they're like, look, that'll strike a nerve with wrestling fans because they want Bre- we haven't put a title on Braun yet, a world title, and they want that. So that'll strike like that was amazing. I popped Big time for that comment from Fury. It, it does also make me curious how the match, and we'll talk about it, you know, in three weeks or whatever when we get closer. But it does make me curious, based on the trash talk, how this match is going to play out because you cannot have Tyson Fury lose. He's the lineal heavyweight champion, whether you like it or not, whether you buy into ESPN's propaganda or not. And he has a major match coming up. So you cannot have him lose to a wrestler. At the same and time, no. at the same time, Jack, how do you have Braun Strowman lose? To Tyson Fury. This it's, isn't it's, this, it's this isn't tough. Big really... Show. This isn't Big Show on two knees getting knocked out by Floyd Mayweather and something that you know due to Floyd's size, it's so kayfabe, it's so fake. This is like, oh, your beast, you know, Braun Strowman, who's already lost to uh, you know uh, Roman Reigns, he's already lost to Seth Rollins, he's already lost to uh, Brock Lesnar. You're gonna have him lose to Tyson Fury. And plus, when Floyd came, and I mean, Floyd used the brass knucks, but thought, like he did. Floyd, he did. Floyd was portrayed as a heel yes. from the moment he came into WWE for that angle with Big Show. Tyson is more like a teeter and more toward the baby face. Like they're praising the guy. They're both tweeners, but Braun. It's, it's yeah, it's, it's it's two tweeners. Or like, but Floyd was more like a full full fledged heel going up against Big Show. Yeah. Whereas Tyson's like, like you said, like teeter it in the middle there. I don't know. You. you I've thought about this since since Monday, and they, it, it really is tough because the only way I can see it is, yeah, Tyson catches him with a right hand, and Braun goes out. But I, I don't know. If they just see it maybe as there's not a lot of shame in what if they do? To the, what if they do a last man standing type of deal? That would probably be the best way to go because then you could just say Braun was out of his element against the boxer who was used to that type of format. Yeah. So they should just do that. You can say, look, yeah, Braun is Braun, but he was out of like Tyson is used to that. Or or you can even do it like do it. Yeah, hell, you know, I mean, they did it with Roddy Piper, and Mr. T. Give it to a boxing match. Oh. Have, have Fury just say, look, man, 
You you want to you want to get these hands? Let's go. You know, wrap them up, and then it kind of makes Braun look not stupid, but like not a smart decision to box against the heavyweight boxer. And you just say, Braun, all right, well, you tried. Right. I mean, even if you do, I see a boxing match is probably the right move. Um, and by the way, I saw something something on Reddit that was really really funny. Apparently, Tyson Fury is the lineal brawl for all champion. Because of obviously Butterbean, Butterbean <laughs> yes. beat Butterbean beat Bart Gunn, and then as it went all the way down the line, it just so happens that Tyson Fury is the lineal brawl for all champion, I, which is incredible. Just, which is incredible. I just, uh, WWE, fo- like folks, you you know, I do I do boxing here in MMA. T- like I tweeted out, but let me just explain something because WWE's doing as as a try hard job as ESPN. Let me just explain something. Being the lineal heavyweight champion of the world of boxing in the year 2019, I love Tyson Fury. It's meaningless. It's meaningless. He retired. Like the, yeah. The man he is fighting in February is probably the best boxer on the planet right now, Deontay Wilder. Absolutely. He's the WBC heavyweight champion. Then you have Andy Ruiz. He holds the other titles. The lineal, it's just, it's. This, here's the thing. So I, I, you know, I completely agree. I am not a Tyson Fury fan. I don't like the way ESPN promotes him. I'm not trying to criticize them. I'm simply saying, you know, I, it's, it's a lot of overblown smoke for yeah. a, a, something that's a lineal heavyweight champion that really isn't a real title. Okay. Um, it's more of a acknowledgement than anything else. I will say though, while I'm not a Fury fan and I thought his last bout was, questionable uh the fight with wilder he went toe-to-toe with wilder he did get knocked down he should have been knocked out but he wasn't and they went toe-to-toe and a lot of people were angry that wilder won that fight i'm not trying to get into state of combat boxing here i'm simply saying while i think wilder does straight up knock him out this time and and we're done with fury at least in terms of the lineal heavyweight champion and having him be as big of a deal as they're trying to make him i think he deserves to be in the fight and i do think he deserves recognition as a top four heavyweight in the world right now. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. And you know, of all the boxers I mentioned, Wilder, Joshua, I mean, Tyson Fury is, he's the perfect fit for this role in WWE. Like this is a, this is a perfect fit. I I love this and I'm going to enjoy watching it play out. Okay. Well, we have a lot more to talk about. Uh, Sticking with raw real quick and sticking with these other combat fight dudes. Rey Mysterio cut a promo backstage, setting up the relationship with Cain Velasquez, explaining uh, why he was there to help him. Friday night on SmackDown. I, when Ray started talking, I was ready to hate it. At the end, I thought he did a fantastic job just explaining the storyline and giving fans a reason to understand why Velasquez is in WWE. Do you agree? I wanted it, yes, because I wanted to go to WWE and say, look, guys, this is this is all we're asking for you from a storytelling standpoint. You debuted a UFC, a former UFC heavyweight champion on Friday, where largely a lot of people didn't know who he was. But they know who Rey Mysterio, Rey Mysterio is a beloved figure. People were asking, why is this Why is this man coming to help Rey Mysterio? It was, all you did was you put Rey Mysterio backstage, put a microphone in front of his face, and Rey said, here's why he came to help me. He's Dominic's godfather, and he was pissed. There, end of story. We're, we're, we're all good here. Why can't they do that with everything? Why can they not just do that? And it felt like Rey was you know, speaking his own words, cutting his own promo, and it's very clear, and we'll talk about it later with AEW, but it's very clear, and we've known this forever. This is not a new, a, a new you know, thing that we, that we came up with before this show. When wrestlers are allowed to develop and their own character and speak their own promos and write their own promos, I should say, um, it, it just comes off so much more authentic, 
so much better. And you're able to get things over that you otherwise wouldn't because someone is not going to script out some of these Lucha things for you to yeah. say. You know what I mean? And, and granted, that's probably a bad example because Kalisto got buried after that, not over. <laughs> but regardless, my point stands. Uh, Rey Mysterio, it felt extemporaneous. It felt like he was given the flexibility and freedom to go out there and explain the relationship himself. And because of that, it came over as authentic and something that I liked. Now, something that you and I were talking about while Raw was live, and we got into, I think, the final half hour of a three-hour show without any mention of Seth Rollins and The Fiend. Um, They ended up mentioning it. They showed basically, even though WWE coming off of pay-per-views only shows still photos, they seemed to show the entire match without the booze, of course. Uh, were you surprised the way they handled this on, on Monday night? No, absolutely not. Not one bit. I mean, all the reports coming out of Sunday, uh, it, it was it was absolutely the right move to not send Seth Rollins in front of that crowd at all. And it was also good to give them the fiend after the cameras went off the air. Because obviously he's he's not the one who comes out looking terrible in all this. It's Vince and Seth. Like we talked about, like they're the ones who are hated the most coming out of Sunday. But you get, so you gave the live crowd the fiend that is a little attack at the end. I no, I wasn't surprised one bit that we didn't see that. I once I started because when I do the raw recap every Monday, I, I've become very good at figuring out how the show is going to play out in my head. And it didn't take me long to realize they're not going to put these two on the shelf. And I thought they were just going to not give a mention them. Then when they were like, well, we're going to show you a little video package of that uh, disaster that we gave you last night. I was like, yeah, that's about all we're getting from these two. And that was a smart move. You do not put Seth Rollins in front of that crowd. That was a good idea. Keeping Rollins away from the crowd was really smart. Uh, I wish they had gone a little deeper and said the universal champion is not on the show tonight, even in introducing the package because of what the fiend did at the end of the match. Uh, he had to go to the hospital. You saw he was bleeding out of the mouth, you know, and amped up. Try to forget how the match ended and instead amp up the destruction that The Fiend caused Rollins and and turn the story into The Fiend really beat the crap out of the Universal Champion in this, you know, at this pay-per-view, in this match. Now, I, I wish well, they told that story a little bit more because if they did, it would have not repaired, but it would have put a nice twist on what was an F or, you know, a D coming out of Hell in a Cell and maybe turned it into like a C minus or a C and kind of said, hey, we understand the finish was crap, but we're going to go with the finish that we should have gotten, which was Seth Rollins getting absolutely devastated by the Fiend. Plus, I mean, like WWE was like that, that that was just 24 hours of them being pure shook because earlier in the day on Monday, they tweeted out an announcement for a rematch at Survivor Series and then had to delete it. What was that about? Yeah. So, like, they, they, they this thing has them all up in their feelings because they tweeted that with the Survivor Series graphic and everything, which, I mean, number one, it gave away the rematch. Number two, it's like, okay, so we're not doing the champion versus champion thing this year? Yeah. Especially, like, and then they quickly deleted it, and it's like, wow, you guys need to just chill with I think not doing the champion versus champion thing this year, if that's the case, is smart because yes. the brand split's only going to be like three weeks old. And it's yeah. going to be, I just saw these people fight each other, right? So if they do go away from that, that's fine. I, I did like it though. So I hope next year they do go back to it. But if they present Survivor Series as simply a really big pay per view with really big matches on it, that's fine. Again, let us not forget, it's coming like a couple weeks after Blood Money in the Sand 4. 
And it's again WWE sacrificing its real shows because they have to fit in the Saudi Arabia BS. And it, it, this is just another example of it. A couple other things from Raw before we fully move on. Uh, the Kabuki Warriors, Jack, beat <sighs> Charlotte Flair and Becky Lynch with Kyrie Sane yeah. rolling cool up Becky Lynch. We're not doing feel spots on this episode. This match, that finish was my absolute feel spot of the week. AEW, NXT, all included. And it finally feels like WWE understands there have to be more women in legitimate contention for titles beyond the four horsewomen and Alexa Bliss. And if they are propping up the Kabuki Warriors to have a short title run as women's tag team champions and then split up or even still be friends, whatever, but go after singles titles, that is absolutely incredible. They had Asuka, who, let's not forget, is the last female to pin Becky Lynch. No, she made her tap, which is Or made her tap. Sorry, defeat, I should say, not not pin. Made her tap in a title match. And I thought, oh, they'll have Asuka beat Lynch if if they're going to have them win. No, they have Kyrie Sane beat the Raw Women's Champion. I thought this was picture perfect. I would have given it, if I was grading it, I would have given it an A. I don't know if you did. I absolutely loved what they did in this match. That was perfect. Like you're setting up a lot of, because number I, I love because people were afraid and I would, I, I, I had faith that they were going to mention the Oscar Becky Lynch thing, but a lot of people were just like, Oh man, they just forgot about all this stuff. Becky's doing. They're forgetting that Oscar made her tap. Uh, but I like how Becky just came out and said, you, I have a problem with you right? because I remember what you did to me. But now you're taking Kyrie. Who's one of the most talented wrestlers on the planet, female wrestlers. She now she has a pinfall over Becky Lynch. So now you got both of these this new this new heel Kabuki Warriors team, and you got both of them that could boast, "We beat you, both of us." She made you tap. I pinned you. Like, what are you? You're worthless. The man. Like, this is. I love this. I also love that they let them cut promos in Japanese. I wish That's- they had kind of maybe given Dio Madden like, here's what they're gonna say. So that he can make believe he understood the language and then and then explain it to the English audience. Because it's not a backstage promo, so you can't have subtitles. So yeah. I always say, this is what I've been saying. I hated Paige. I, I love Paige. I hated her with Kabuki Warriors because I felt it insulted the audience. I don't like Sami Zayn with Shinsuke Nakamura, quote-unquote, as his mouthpiece because I feel like it insults the audience. But at the same time, we are in the United States of America, and it is an English TV show. So... There should be someone, just like with NJPW, I criticize them for this on the English broadcast all the time. They fixed it. You need to have someone in that Rocky Romero role to kind of say, here's what they said. Even if it's not a direct translation, you want to tell the the viewing audience at home, this is what Oscar and Kyrie Sane just said. Now, Becky Lynch did a fantastic job because she answered them as if she understood them. And, you know, it was totally fine. Um, But that was the storyline that really took me from Raw and said, they're kind of taking a big step back into the women's revolution. And the, from the Becky Lynch, uh, Sasha Banks, Hell in a Cell match, which, by the way, reportedly Sasha Banks is injured, hurt her back. That's why you didn't see her Monday night. And we don't know if and when she'll get back. Typical Sasha and typical hey, us. Is... I know. That's just an aside, though. I don't want to linger on that too much. Um, but you're right, though. They now have Kyrie Sane with a singles pinfall, not a singles pinfall, a pinfall victory in a tag team match over Becky Lynch. And even if it just sets up, a one-time title match, and Becky beats her in 14 minutes. It's still worth it to me. This and the, the underrated aspect of that segment, you you kind of brought it up there. Was yeah, they did they did the Japanese, which I which I love too. 
but they could have very easily, and maybe you know, just a few years ago, uh, Becky and Charlotte would have had sort of a comedy segment in the ring where they would have been like, oh, what are they talking about? Right. Whereas Becky took the threat seriously, like you said, like she understood. Right. It wasn't laughed off. They weren't laughed off the stage. But it, it, like Becky took that to me was that was the most underrated part of that whole segment. And I, I, I love I love what they're doing with the Kabuki Warriors. But again, like you said, like we said on Sunday, just tell Paige your services are not needed here, please. I, I have no issue if they want to make her. And I know they're staying away from authority figures. If they want to make her the general manager of the WWE women's division and have she her, was good and have her set matches on both raw and SmackDown when necessary and have her be the de facto face of it. That is a great role for her. I understand they don't want general managers and commissioners. They feel like fans got tired of it. Maybe they did. Maybe they didn't. But yeah, but re- remember the outcry though from the fans was like, well, can we exempt Paige from that? Because she's yes, really good at this. Exactly. So she, can we get rid of everyone else and keep Paige? Exactly. She, that is the role that she should definitely have. Okay, a couple more things from Raw. We still got to keep moving on here. Uh, Lashley and Lana, they opened the show, continuing this deal uh, with Rusev. And look, um, last week, I thought it was okay. This week, it just felt like Paul Heyman living out like a fantasy. I, yeah. I it was almost too much for me at the, you have to remember, this was not the 10 o'clock hour. This was off the top of Raw on Monday night. You have Orton and you have Corbin like snickering at ringside like a couple teenagers. Then Rusev beats the ap- absolute crap out of both of them. So we're not doing Hero or Zero today, Jack, but Hero or Zero to the Lana Lashley, you know, thing from Rusev's house. And then the Rusev reaction at ringside. Hero to all of it. I thought it was tremendous. I embraced it. I fully embraced it. Because, look, Paul Heyman is doing a really good job with Raw of giving you the variety show. And that's what made ECW so successful when he was running it. Paul Heyman is great at giving you a little bit of everything that you that fans crave out of a wrestling show. Okay? You, one minute, you can have... Ricochet facing Cesaro in an eight, nine minute match. You're going to go, wow, that was incredible. The next minute, Paul Heyman is going to give you the ultimate soap opera story. He's, he's very, very good at trying to keep everyone happy. And yeah, is this a bit outrageous? This whole storyline? Yeah, it is, but I don't care because at the end of the day, it it still is sports entertainment. And Heyman, I think that has a nice balance on raw between everything so if you're going to give this to the people, fine. And if you, and if it's going to pay off with a with a nice finish, and I'm okay with that too. And also, what I liked was this week Rusev didn't look like a complete jackass in the sense that <laughs> right. he was just standing there with a sad face, like the rain, like the rain cloud was falling down on him. He looked over at Randy Orton of all people, more so than Corbin, but Randy Orton and Corbin laughing at him. And Rusev went out there and did what we've wanted to see him do for a while. He just decimated the two of them, the King of the Ring and Randy Orton. It was and went ballistic. It was shocking to me that not that Orton let that happen, but that they booked it that way for him to do that to Randy Orton. No one does that to Randy Orton. So it was done that way to purposely make him look really strong, yeah. but they're making him look really strong for a match against Lashley. Ultimately that that's where this ends. It's, it's a feud. Maybe there's two pay-per-view matches, but it's Rusev Lashley. Maybe it stays on raw. In fact, and maybe WWE is learning their lesson that not every feud needs to end on pay-per-view. But it just, it it felt, I don't mind the angle. I don't mind the subject matter. I, it was not totally entertaining. Lashley, I think, is his best as a badass. I don't know that he has the charisma to pull off, like, 
a Shawn Michaels cheating angle, you know, where, where you need that guy to be a scumbag. He doesn't come off as a scumbag to me. He's a he's a veteran. Like he, you know, he's he's a clean cut dude. So that is weird to me. The other part of it is, how do they ever, with this angle, this is not Mega Powers explode. How do they, with this angle, ever put Lana back with Rusev? Well, I mean, I never wanted her with them in the first place. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know if people get mad at me. I think Lana always brought down the Rusev character. I am so sorry. I know they're real life. I never like it. It was so weird. Like I'm, I'm happy for the guy. He's got his wife with him. But my thing was always, she's bringing. Well, once they dropped the Russian the whole, stuff, she's Russian. Once right. that dropped, and they kind of told her, "Hey, kind of be yourself." Oh, that was a terrible idea because then it's like, ah, oh, you're bringing the dude, you're bringing your own husband down a little bit. I do agree with that, but at the same time, they're an on-screen couple, so. Yeah. So at some point you have to assume, even if it's a year or two from now, you have to assume that they get back together. The because they're a real life married couple also, and they are a married couple on Total Divas. Although I don't know if they're on this season, but um, still, it seems like they've put themselves in a position booking wise because this is way beyond just cheating. You know what I mean? The way they're going about this, um, this is like humiliating Rusev. I don't know. Maybe he hit him being such an aggressive alpha male and beating the crap out of everyone and eventually beating Lashley wins her back, but then he's taking back the woman yeah. who cheated on him. It, 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 I don't know where they go. Yeah. Because it, we, we could, we could look back on this as the angle slash moment where Rusev was saved or maybe killed. this is how or, this ends or killed for good. It, but it could be 50 50, but maybe this is where we look and say, Okay, it all started when Paul Heyman put him back on TV. And yeah, they did that soap opera thing with, with his wife and Lashley. But look where he is now because th- that started the trend of getting Rusev back on track to this monster that he's supposed to be. The only thing, last thing about that, the only thing that sours me just a tad on it is that we've tried this before with the Dolph Ziggler Summer Ray. Yes. The, we've tried this before and it didn't work. Now that was... Well, you know what worked? You know what worked? You know what worked? Lana in a jean skirt. That's what worked. Okay. Sorry. Go How long ago? What, what was that now? Three, four years? Oh, ago? I think maybe yeah. even longer than that. Yeah. I don't know. So, I mean, maybe enough time has passed. But for me, who has a member, I'm, I'm, part of me was looking at what happened Monday saying, all right, we've been down this road before. If she's now with Rusev, she's with someone else. And then if maybe we give Rusev someone else, that then it, and just Lana's charisma, the lack thereof. I'm sorry sort of sucks a little life out of this too but from a pure sports entertainment storyline i am i'm in on it and i'm willing to see how it plays out yeah i'm not i'm not zeroing it to the point that i'm not willing to keep you know watching it and seeing what happens i just i don't have a good feeling about the storyline and that's you you have every right you know track records you have every right to feel that (laughs) and that's just kind of where i want to leave that uh last but not least on raw i never thought i would mention this on this week's show The only booked match really before the show began was a last woman standing match between Lacey freaking Evans and Natalia and Jack. The first half of the match was slow and plodding a little bit. It was in the ring. But once they got outside of the ring and they made their way to the new Raw set, I don't know if it was the comedic element of Natty being thrown into the the, the skateboard ramp and sliding down it three times. I don't know if it was just the aggression of both women and how well they told the story beyond the actual wrestling moves. But the final like 
five, six minutes of that match really had me. The crowd, <laughs> the crowd was booing the hell out of Lacey Evans and cheering the hell out of Natalia. And I know you are no Natalia fan. I'm also shocked at the finish that Natalia went over by powerbombing Lacey Evans off a stage through a table. But man, credit to Natalia, credit to Lacey Evans, credit to Paul Heyman for booking it. I was totally sports entertained, and it was one of the best moments of the night for me. That was the definition of going zero to 100, because there was a point in the middle of that match where I was going to tell you, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm not doing the robbery caps. (laughs) I don't care if you get mad at me. Give them back to Brian Campbell. I don't care. I don't want to do this anymore. I can't. I can't do this. And then, like you said, they got to the top of the ramp, and I'm like, oh, so now you're going to make this entertaining. And then they did the – that was the definite – I've seen very few matches this year that literally went zero to 100 that quick. Now, the booking, I, I don't know, because don't forget, like, as I'm watching this show on Monday, everything in the back of my mind is the draft. Right. Like, my thing is, all right, so it was late. All right, it was this late. That The ending felt more to me like Lacey's goodbye to Raw. Sure, sure. That's what it felt like to me. And don't forget, I, and don't forget, on Friday and Monday, we're going to get plenty of those. Both title changes yeah. and matches where stars on these brands that have been, even though there's been the wild card rule, stars that have been connected to these brands for a while will yeah. lose matches and it'll be, oh, they're on the next night or a couple nights later or an hour later in the show, they're about to get drafted. Because looking back, they, they had a, it was a nice experiment to give Lacey right to Becky Lynch after WrestleMania, but also very, very. Too much too very, soon. It was too much too soon. Yeah. Which no, Lacey did what she could, God bless her, but she still knew. So you take a step back like they did and kind of rehabilitate her. That's why at first I was like, why the hell did Natty win that match? What is that? But then I, th- my brain went off and went draft. And I went, this might've been Lacey's send off from Raw to SmackDown. So I was like, well, and, all and, right, and, I, I can get down with that. You know what? Also, you may not la- like Natty, but there are people who do. And it never hurts to give your most established veteran wrestler a big win. It's something that, oh. it's something that when Goldust was in WWE, even though he was Goldust, the la- you know, the last few years especially, you're not going to have Goldust win things, right? But he was still an established veteran. When when they needed a guy like that on 205 Live, they brought him over there and were able to get him beat. My point yeah. is that if on regular TV, Goldust had a couple wins here and there, solid wins, a, a beats a Cesaro, beats a Rusev, you know, mid-card yeah. wins like that, then when you need to use them in these other scenarios, it's another able body. Instead, it's just a guy where you see him, you know he's going to get beat. So it's, I, yeah. I like that they treat Natty with the reverence that she deserves. I like that they gave her a title run. I think it was a year, year and a half ago. I enjoyed that. I like that they gave her the opportunity um, against Becky Lynch You know, in, in the pay-per-view recently. That it wasn't a match that we really wanted, but it was a match that ended up being pretty decent because yeah. Natty's a good wrestler. So credit to her, credit to this match. And credit to us, because we have a lot of show left to talk about, Jack. But before we get to any of it, you know what we got to do? We got to hear a quick word from our friends and sponsors. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews or coverage of all the biggest stories in the nba our new show is the place to be five days a week download and follow beyond the arc on apple podcasts spotify and wherever you get your favorite podcasts you deserve the truth 
The enemy is at our gates. The fight for humanity. I look at your faces. I do not see defeat. No! And I do not see surrender. It's far from over. You will not make that stand alone. We have something the enemy does not. We have heroes. Halo. New season now streaming. Exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. All right, Jack, we are back. That is an unfortunate and not purposeful rhyme. Uh, we were going to talk at length about the WWE draft and give our WWE mock draft. We are getting pretty late into the show. I don't know that we should actually do that. But what I will say, we had a mock WWE draft on CBSSports.com ahead of the real WWE draft. Basically what we did, we split into two teams. Uh, Brian and our other writer, uh, Brent Brookhouse, was Team SmackDown. Jack and I, as the editors, we were Team Raw. And we did a 20-round WWE draft. You can check it all out on the website. We have a uh, Twitter poll open where you can vote Team SmackDown or Team Raw who won. Jack, the votes are heavily in Team SmackDown favor. I don't know if that's because the listeners are just so on BC's side that they think, you know, they have to vote for him. But we're on the same team here, so we're not going to have much disagreement. If you look at our mock draft, we basically started Daniel Bryan, Roman Reigns, Becky Lynch, Bray Wyatt, Asuka, Kyrie Sane, Andrade. Those were our first six picks. Yeah. His first six picks or Lesnar, Sasha Banks, AJ Styles, Seth Rollins, Kofi Kingston, A New Day, and Charlotte Flair. I think that is very even, and I think over the second half of the draft, we won by far. But what do you think about it? I th- I thought they were both solid teams when I looked at them up. When we were doing the draft, I was actually out. Like, I, I was at supermarkets and stuff, so I want everyone to know that. I was out for the day while Adam was bothering me with these picks. Hey. Not, not, but no. We're calls. It, no, it no was I'm fun. saying it we're was, calls, man, you know? It was fun as hell. Um no, I, th- I thought I-, I think they were pretty even, and it, it, it really like th- that process really got me excited for what we're going to see this coming week, and like that- an actual draft that's actually going to mean something. Because like as we as you and I were making the picks, like I found myself getting more and more into like strategizing, like who's good long terms on these shows. It- it's good to have that feeling back. Well, here here's what I learned from the process: is we drafted like it was real. Right. Like we actually were both in charge of both shows and we had the WW entire WWE roster with the exception of NXT to choose from. And what ended up happening and we did not do it on purpose, but we each drafted three tag teams. We each drafted two women's tag teams. Uh, It looks like we had seven women. They had five, but we're all we were also raw. We're a three hour show, even though we didn't take any extra picks. And the male singles performers were relatively even. What it said to me was we did what WWE has not done since 2016. Because when they did the brand split in 2016, they did a great job splitting up the rosters. Raw and SmackDown were different shows. SmackDown became the land of opportunity. It was the more wrestling-heavy show. For the better part of 18 months, it was the better show by far to Raw. Um, And Raw continued to be like the Roman Reigns show and the sports entertainment show. Um, What they did in 2017 with the Superstar shakeup was okay. 2018, not as good. 2019 oh. following WrestleMania was awful. And the, Ooh, it was bad. And it wasn't just that they didn't choose the right people for the right brands. They were uneven. One show basically had no tag teams. The other Which? show the other show basically had no women. 
Yeah, I, well, I was gonna say which that was which one which one got robbed? Rob was it got robbed of the women or SmackDown? I think, I think it was Raw. Uh, man, I don't even remember. It was so bad, and then they instituted the wild card rule yeah. because they realized they screwed up. And don't forget, they also did the superstar shakeup, and then they're like, "Oh well, we need to move uh, Alistair Black because he's with Zelina Vega, so he has to be with uh, Andrade." Yes, yes. And then now Andrade and Charlotte are together, so like we should move Charlotte. Like it was just yeah, like yeah, it was yeah. a whole convoluted mess, right? So. The lesson learned here that we learned that we already really knew that I just want to talk about briefly is when WWE does this draft Friday, we're taping this Thursday. And then again on Monday, that's, that's the second round, I guess you can call it. They need to be very cognizant that they split up the male singles performers and women's singles performers evenly across both shows. And that especially for the male tag teams, because you can create female tag teams if you need to, if you absolutely must. They also have plenty of women in UK and NXT that they can bring in if they need additional bodies. But they need to make sure that these things are split because what they cannot have happen is have like six big tag teams on Raw and two on SmackDown where you're then like relying on heavy machinery and you have to put together like a rude... Um, and Ziggler just to have enough people to actually have a tag team division, right? That was the lesson I learned. That was number one. Number two, just before we started taping the show, um, Dave Meltzer on Wrestling Observer Radio reported the draft is done. Like WWE has already laid it out, had it laid out. Um, their, their changes are not expected. Of course, anything can always happen. Uh, th- yeah. The way it's going to go down is that, and we knew this already, but celebrities from USA Network and celebrities from Fox are going to be picking the respective superstars for Raw and SmackDown, uh, but they're going to be on both shows. So it's not like the shakeup well, where, where SmackDown is all SmackDown yeah. superstars and so on. And last but not least, they are going to do it football style. So that excites me. I know it excites BC. That's what we've wanted. Yeah. Does that sound good enough to you without yes. commissioners and without general managers? Yeah, yeah, I'm perfectly okay with that. It's a different feel. It's a good format. And that there's something from Raw that we didn't bring up, that I brought up in the recap, that a lot of people started noticing. They're not branding this draft as Raw versus SmackDown. They're branding this draft as USA versus Fox. They are. They said that repeatedly yep. Monday night. And does it surprise me that Meltzer's reporting the draft is done? Absolutely not, because I can guarantee you, at the very least, Fox went to Vince and said, put in put on a piece of paper in front of our face right. who we have on this show. Yeah. Like you're not, there is no last minute writing. Tell us who we're getting. And like, it's an, un, it's an unenviable position for WWE. I know we're going to criticize them for, you know, some things that might come out of this, but like, here's a small example. I can't foresee Roman Reigns not being on SmackDown. Brock Lesnar is the WWE champion. You know, right off the bat, people are going to moan and groan about that. They're going to say, oh, well, Roman and Brock are on the same show. We know where this is going. Right. You know, so this is a really, really tricky thing to pull off. So, like, I'll give him credit there. Like, this is tough. I I don't know how they sit down and actually, like you said, make everything even like that. It's going to be tough because you know they want to keep couples together. And they have been promoting (laughs) Becky Lynch. Now, granted, they also promoted Kofi Kingston very heavily for SmackDown. But they they, they promoted Becky Lynch really really strong yeah. as part of SmackDown. She was in the intro, et cetera. Um, so how do you not have Becky Lynch there? And if that's the case, and she's the Raw Women's Champion. I, I saw someone joke. Go ahead. They said, what are we going to do? What, like, do Charlotte and Becky just pass each other each other's titles on the oh, way to okay. each show? It's like- okay, maybe they do, right? This is where I was going, though. So you want her on that show, right? Yeah. But how do you not have Charlotte Flair, who just won the title... 
I know. Stay on SmackDown. And then if you do that, if you do that, then you cannot also have Sasha Banks there. So then Sasha's on Raw. And who is she with? And and this is what we always talk about. It's not like WWE doesn't have a big women's division. They do. It's good. In my opinion, it's the best in the world. Just top to bottom. You may like the Joshi wrestling better. You may like whatever. Top to bottom, I think WWE talent, storytelling, promo ability, number one women's division. But if you have Sasha Banks on Raw by herself, let's say, even if you put Bailey there and they start a rivalry, what else do you really have? I know. You know what I mean? You do have Alexa Bliss. You do have Asuka. WWE's biggest issue is the the division, even with Asuka and even with Bliss, is top-heavy. It's six women on top, and everyone else is a low-carder. There's not really a mid-card group of women, in my opinion. Um, So I think they just really need to be cognizant of that. But I, I do agree with what you said. I have no doubt in my mind that Fox said to them, and Fox actually has people that are WWE intelligent, meaning they know wrestling at Fox, whereas USA Network doesn't really always seem like they do. But I would not be surprised if they said, we want a list, and Vince gave them that list. And if anything changes, it has to get approved by Fox before we move forward with this. Yeah, because I'm sure people told them, too, they're like, look, this Vince McMahon guy, he likes to rewrite shows the day of. And I'm sure they said, well, that's going to stop. Right. That's ending. There is no more rewriting a show an hour before. Not on Fox, not on our network, primetime on Friday night. Those days are over, yeah. which I'm sure put a lot of pressure on Vince, and I'm sure he hates it, but he also doesn't hate the billion-dollar paychecks coming in. No, he, he really can't. So, so that's my expectation is because it's planned out, because we're having celebrities, and look, I don't know who they are going to be, you know, from yeah. USA Network and Fox, announcing picks – it's going to feel like a big deal. It's going to feel like a real draft. And that is what BC and I on this show for the last two and a half years, every time we talk about a WWE draft and the superstar shakeup, we always criticize it because it doesn't feel real. Well, if you want your product to be sports-centric on Fox, the most important thing you can do is when you're picking the performers, make it feel real, make it feel like it matters, and make the superstars react as if it matters. I love what they're doing with AJ Styles and the OC, saying there is no way you're splitting us up, right? They've already seemingly announced that Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross are staying together as a tag team, at least on their uh, Instagram. I think there was an Instagram story picture that put both of their names together. So put that out there. Let people know the process. Um, the in the if if the superstars or not superstars if the celebrities from Fox and USA Network when they give the pick can explain it that's even better right we want yeah. the ch- women's champion we this guy beat Brock Lesnar you know so on and so forth my only reservation is without a general manager or without a commissioner it just kind of feels like who's really making the picks and if it's if they're going to tell us as they did Monday night on Raw you brought it up Jack if they're going to say that executives from Fox and USA have their own war rooms and are making these picks, and they then send out their celebrities to come and, yeah. and announce them, that's a win for me. That's a huge hero. I think it'd be great. It'd be unique. And like you said, it's something we've been asking for. Just make this draft feel like an actual – like it's going to mean something because they're on a good track already because just from one week, another thing we've been asking for is that we want Raw and SmackDown to feel like two different offerings. Right. And just as something as simple as the set change in a little pyro watching Monday and Friday, I felt like I was watching two different shows. So they're on a good track to get through this draft, make that feel different. And we're full speed ahead with this. And by the way, uh, Raw on Monday, one of the reasons I think maybe I was soured at the cold open, we didn't get the pyro. 
Oh yeah, we did. I was really looking. They realized that. I was yeah, really did. looking forward to the pyro once they came out of the the intro theme, and they go to like Rusev being attacked, and I'm like, oh. Like I said, it's all right because SmackDown gave me the lasers. I was promised. I know you got your lasers. You got. I got your, my lasers. You got your lasers. Laser, blazer. Uh, all right, <laughs> moving on. This is the, probably the real main event for a lot of people. I, I think we did them right by talking Velasquez and Fury off the top and, and kind of recapping Raw on the draft. Um, or previewing, I should say, uh, the draft. But AEW Dynamite had its second episode on Wednesday night. Um, and a lot happened on the show. And we're going to get to breaking it all down. The first thing I wanted to pose to you, Jack, I liked the debut episode. Okay? Last week. Yeah. I thought this was straight up better. Um, this it, felt more, yeah. It felt like a real wrestling show. Yep. Um, it gave me a little bit of everything I wanted. I still think from a storytelling aspect, they're lacking a little bit. But we'll get to why, what Jericho did and why that helped. Uh, but just straight up, do you agree with me that episode two was definitely an improvement on episode one? Yeah, and credit to our writer, Brett Brookhouse, who did the recap last night on CBSSports.com. He said the same thing. Okay. This felt more like a pro wrestling television show that we were promised. Week one was more of a uh, fighter fest type deal. Like one of those shows we saw from them over the summer. It sure. was kind of like, uh, here's here's like a, the gist of our product here. Whereas last night was like, okay, but now here we're on the track and the train's going. Here's how this, this is going to be a weekly television show. And I, I guess I enjoyed the hell out of it. That was two hours of, I I tweeted like, that is what I wanted from them. Like, that's all I want. I want, I want something that's not WWE that feels like a major wrestling show that gives me some stuff to be invested in. And they gave me all of that. It, it, fe- it, it felt to me like a good two-hour WCW show. And, and that's what it's supposed but, to but be. It, but, it, but it legitimately feels like WCW. That's okay. I'm not saying that's bad. I'm, okay, just, I'm, right. just, I'm just saying it doesn't f- – okay, so I'm not saying it's bad. I'm not saying it's great either. So let me just clarify. It feels like a two-hour good version of a WCW show. In that, it doesn't feel like AEW is unique and revolutionary, but it is good. So, like, I, I want to, I want people to understand when I say that I am not criticizing it for any for anything. I'm simply saying it doesn't feel as unique and different as I expected AEW to feel. But at the same time, I fully enjoyed the two hours that I was given on television. Ultimately, they were, I, I know they pushed the revolution that I know BC loves the term revolution. I know, but they, they've sort of shifted as of late. I've noticed Jericho just said it on his appearance on the Rich Eisen show yesterday. Like he's even changed his tune a little bit. Like it's an alternative, right? That yeah. is what they are. And that's what they were always going to be. Revolutionized, re- revolutionary pro wrestling today. Pretty much impossible. There's, there's not much more like, like NXT is more different from WWE than AEW is. Uh, which and, might be a problem, which I'll get to yeah, later. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that. NWA, what we they put out, which we'll talk about at the end of the show. Oh. And reminder, BC will be with us at the end of the show. That is completely different from what WWE is. AEW is an alternative, yes. similar product. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But I think it needs to be said and noted that when I'm watching AEW, I'm like, you know, this is a really good show. Um this was like a really good, really good two-hour SmackDown. This, is, this was like three years ago what SmackDown was in terms of really entertaining, cohesive storylines, interesting things happened, etc. But a lot of the elements of the show, 
the pull-apart brawl at the end, or not even a pull-apart, just the brawl at the end that 10 people wound up in the ring, and we'll talk about that separately. Some of the segments in the show felt very WCW to me. And again, yeah. that doesn't WCW yeah. does not equal bad, but it did feel WCW to me. And it was, but they're smart. They, especially Cody, he knows the, the, the audience he's, he's trying to get. And it is that WCW audience, because again, it, it's been talked about a lot. People forget in March, 2001, there were a lot of people who just checked out and said, no, I am not going to the Vince McMahon overlord. I am done. And some people, they've hooked back in with AEW Absolutely. saying, Hey, look, we're on TNT. Please come back. Here's, here's what pro wrestling looks like today. Please come back to us. Like the chaos, like they, they, and they did it the, to close last, the debut episode, they debuted an NWO type fact. Well, just a fact, just a heel faction with the, with the, with the world champion at the helm and a few guys behind him. This week, that chaos in the ring had 18 different things going on at once. And I loved it because they're, they're grasping that WCW concept of, oh, I can't wait for next Wednesday. Right. Exactly. Because we're going to see this, this, and this, and this. WWE has lost that in this day and age, especially with Raw. It's like they never give you anything at the end to be like, boy, I can't wait for next Monday. Whereas last night, AEW had me going, all right, is it next Wednesday at 8 o'clock yet? Because I want to see, like, what, what's Darby and Chris Jericho going to do? Like, that's going to be awesome. How is, is Cody going to get involved? What's, what's going on here? So to be fair, SmackDown did last week with Velasquez and Lesnar, but it, it was drawn out and it was long and it didn't have that immediacy. <sighs> Um, and, and WWE Raw did also with Fury. But again, we're talking Velasquez and Fury. We're not talking about like Bray Wyatt and Braun Strowman. Yes, this, yeah, AEW not, was like, this is our product that we're right. hooking you back in with. Like we didn't have to go outside. We're it, hooking you in with the product we're, we're giving you on a, on a regular basis. No, I, I got to say, I, not hyper. I, I am enjoying, it's just two weeks, but I'm enjoying the hell out of what these guys are giving me on TNT. Yeah, I, I do too. You know, I, I'm I'm going to stray from saying that it's, Revolutionary, certainly not. Uh, I'm not going to say it's the greatest thing ever. Uh, there's people that, you know, the IWC is the IWC. They're going to come out. Oh, WWE is going to be dead in two years. And, but, you know, I don't believe any of that. Uh, but, but the answer and the question, the question is, did you enjoy the two hours of TV that you were presented? The answer yeah. is, the answer is yes. And there is nothing wrong with that. So I think AEW is off to a hot start. Um, I'm going to be very curious. You know, they may well come out while we're talking uh, here, like they did last week when I was talking with Brian. Curious to see what the ratings are. I do expect yeah. them to be down, both because it's not the debut, and there's people who even saw the debut and probably would say, yeah, not for me, and that's okay. Uh, but there's also, there were two MLB playoff games, yeah. other TV thing, you know, hap other stuff happening on TV. Really would not be surprised to see both AEW and NXT, NXT down, maybe NXT down even more than AEW. Um but I did watch NXT Live, as I think many did. I think a lot of people were saying, hey, you know, I'll give AEW this week live. I'll probably watch it every week. But NXT is really what I care most about. So I'm curious to see how that fluctuates. But ultimately, though, what I think AEW did a great job with is hooking us at the start of the show. And the way they started the show was with that tag team tournament, AEW tag team tournament match, the Young Bucks against Private Party. And did I think some of it was over not nah, I don't want to use the word overrated but spurned on a little bit by the fans maybe overreacting a little bit to some moments in the match I did I don't think the match was as great as the fans treated it again the fans treated it as if it was some like six star match it was good with exciting action 
what I found interesting was that the Young Bucks did not go over. That private party went over, and it seems like they're telling a story with the elite of maybe this is all too much for them. Is yeah. that what you think is happening here? Yeah. And, 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 and what do you think about the booking of that match? I, I, see here, like I'll, offer, like, I'll, I'll salivate over AEW. Maybe not to the level of BC would, but like, like I said, I'm loving it. But I'll give my, I'll give my critiques as well. That match should have ended after Nick was knocked off the ropes and Quinn hit the 450. Exactly. That should that shouldn't have been a kid. That, that the match should have ended right there, not at the roll up. That's where the match should have ended. That's where they had the crowd. And hey, they're going to do that. That's what they do. They've overbooked matches like this. Well, they so don't want. Times. They didn't want but the Bucks. A, they didn't want the Bucks to look like they got beat yeah. by a finisher. They wanted it to look like they just happened to lose. But yeah, the. The story with the elite, I like it. And it's also like, cause it's going in a lot of different directions. Like Kenny's in a downward spiral where he's losing his mind. The Bucks first round of the tag team tournament. I mean, if there was like everyone for everyone who said when AEW was created that, Oh, executive vice presidents, we know how this is going to work. Ha <laughs> failure. The Bucks said, ha ha first round of the tag team tournament. We're out. We're not touching those titles. So how do you like that? We're going to put over this young team. We want to, which you got to give them credit for because that's what they were smashed for when this company came into existence was that they were going to, they were going to give all the shine to themselves. And that was it. So, sorry, go ahead. While at the same time, Cody is the face of that company and Cody is on a roll. So that's another interesting dynamic of this whole elite thing. It's like, they're failing, but yet here's Cody. He just keeps thriving, keeps winning, getting title shots. They could, there's a lot they can do with these with these storylines they have going on. So only reason I was about to interrupt you. Breaking news into the State of Combat podcast. Literally one minute ago as we are taping this, WWE has announced a blockbuster match to kick off the WWE draft Friday night on SmackDown. Seth Rollins representing Raw against no. Roman Reigns representing SmackDown with the winner getting the number one overall pick for their brand. <laughs> what? <laughs> which makes it sound, I, I, which makes know. it sound, by the way, to me, like Reigns and Rollins are staying separate. So they just, conf- wait, look, look, I'm hearing right, this, this is right. What it they, says. Just, they just confirmed Roman Reigns staying on SmackDown. What they're, what they're saying is that Rollins represents Raw, Reigns yeah. represents SmackDown. To me, that means they're separate. Which, but also means that they just confirmed Roman Reigns isn't eligible to be drafted, and neither is Rollins. I mean, I don't know if they're saying that necessarily. What they're yeah, saying is, confusing. what they're saying is they're representing those brands, and that the winner gets the number one overall pick. To me, that is what they're saying. Yeah, like that comes across. Oh man, see, this is where we have the problems because, like, I have questions now, but. but uh, not so much about Seth. He's the universal champion. I get it. Here's the but question. If, if, I question about Roman. He, well, here's the question. If, if Roman wins and then SmackDown gets the number one pick, do they take Roman? Or you know what I mean? Or is I he, yeah, but like, oh, God, is he my there? head hurts. What? Oh, shit. All right. So whatever. Why, I don't get it. Yeah. All right. So we didn't get the opportunity to obviously to vet this or read it through. But that is what I just saw come across Twitter from WWE. Pause. We'll go right back to AEW here. Um, so to, to what you were talking about, I'm very intrigued by the elite storyline uh, with the Young Bucks and with Kenny. I thought the match was booked properly in terms of the winner. I think putting mm-hmm. Private Party over mattered more to the fans than the Young Bucks winning. They would have popped either way. But my takeaway from the match and from other matches on this show, and I want to get your take on this before we talk about the rest of the storylines. 
I've said about AEW from the very beginning, the thing that it has going for it is fan sentiment. They have just this, they have found a way to attract the fans and make them believe that AEW is their company, not a company owned by Tony Khan and run by other professional wrestlers that is just catering to them, right? So because of that, the thing that really has set AEW apart in my mind is the crowd. It's not even really the action in the ring. Yes, there were good matches. I think head-to-head, the matches on NXT were equal this week. Better last week on NXT, equal this week. They were There were three really good matches on NXT. But the way the crowd is reacting to these matches makes them feel like they are the co-main event of WrestleMania. And it is something that I have not seen or felt from professional wrestling yeah. in quite a while. So... Do you agree with me with this contention? The crowd makes AEW feel bigger and better than it actually is. Or yeah, or is that unfair because the crowd is just as much a part of the show as anything else? No, the crowd, the, the crowd absolutely helps. But that's how it's worked in professional wrestling for however long it's been on TV since the 50s and 60s. That's the point. These, the, the crowd is as much of a character in professional wrestling as the wrestlers in the ring, as the referee as the on-air authority figures. They are as much a part of the show as all of those guys who get paid to do this. And I don't have a problem with those. Like, yeah. Oh, no, no. I'm not, I just want to clarify. I'm not saying it's a problem. Yeah. I like, I, but they do. Does it add to it? Absolutely. It does. And I, and that's why AEW is very smart in running these big cities, smaller college venues that hold anywhere from seven to 10,000 max. Because you're going to get your rabid fans from that that metro, that area that you're in. You're going to get your rabid wrestling fans. You're going to jam them into that arena. And they're going to be hot for your product. And it also helps that they're not doing house shows. Like, you, you only see AEW now once per week. Once a week, yep. You only see them once a week. They're not over. So, they're very un, they're underexposed, honestly. You know, you know, um, WWE, all the house show touring. Like, me alone this year. I live in, I live near a place called, five minutes down the road is the arena. Adam, I live in Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania. <laughs> We probably get I'm saying three SmackDown shows a year that I go to live SmackDowns, and probably four or five house shows. I'm not kidding. And then and then maybe at least one pay per view in Philly, if not two. In, yeah, you know, but Philly Pittsburgh in, area. You know, now just in my small area there, WWE will come here those that many times. It's to a point where I've told you like there's a live event. And I just go, and you've asked me, do you want to go? I'm like, eh, nah, not really. It's just a live event. I don't care. Right. Because it's like, ah, well, I know SmackDown will be here next month. So don't worry about it. Yeah. But AEW, they're, they're just going to do their little tour. And, you know, they, and plus, don't forget, they're, they're taking over the East Coast, the South. Cody has only mentioned about going out West yet. So they're going to, they're just going to little by little. Look, as much as, as much grief as these guys take for some things, they're really playing this whole thing smart. They really are. I think I think Tony Khan, uh, from a business perspective, is doing a fantastic job yeah. setting them up. I think Cody, uh, probably more Cody than anyone else, from a creative perspective, is do, doing a really good job setting up the storylines and and catering to what the fans want. It does feel like very much a product that is catering to fans, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I just it's it's very noticeable to me, I guess, is the best way. Well, I yeah, because you best and I literally just did a reactionary show on Sunday about WWE kicking us in the junk again right. and telling us, like it. So why wouldn't AEW go, hey, what do you guys want? 
Right. No. Who do you guys want to see? It's very, very, but, it's very, very smart business. It's the reason why they are so successful to this early yeah. juncture, in my opinion. The fan, the fans more so than even like the the business acumen or the or the storylines. I I don't particularly think the storytelling is that great right now. I think it's fine. It's good enough, and and they have what what they're doing very smartly is putting people that the fans care about in the light to be seen. But I don't think it's particularly groundbreaking. But what I think is really good is the way they are engaging the fans and getting them to feel like they are involved in the product. And to that point, Chris Jericho came right after this tag team match, uh, cut a promo in the ring, introduced the five some the faction, and you know that juice is the Silver King, a real faction. Five people, that's a faction. Four, maybe. Five is a real faction, okay? Um, introduces the Inner Circle faction with Jake Hagar. Um, is it Hagar or Hager? Whatever. Uh, him, uh, the former LAX, uh, and um, Sammy Guevara, basically. Guevara. As this five-some known as the Inner Circle. So, as he's giving his promo, and, you know, I could criticize him for saying Viva La Raza to a couple of Puerto Ricans, which who, who, that's a phrase about Mexican-Americans, but whatever. Um, what he did do was something very smart and that got fans riled up. And this is what I'm talking to, about in catering to the fans. Uh, he's about to introduce Jake Hager and the fans, the entire arena starts chanting, we the people. And Jericho, I don't have the exact quote, but he basically comes back and says, no, we're not going to do that here. That was shitty creative that's over and done with. And the crowd cheers and loses their mind. What I found funny about that is the crowd was the one chanting We the People. Know, yeah. In WWE, <sighs> the crowd chanted We the People. You know why? It wasn't shitty creative. The Mex-American stuff was shitty creative. But Jack Swagger, when he came back and was the We the People guy with Zeb Coulter, wasn't shitty creative. People really hated him and really liked chanting we the people and doing we the people when he put the hand over the chest. So I found it funny that he was insulting something from WWE that was working and had fans chanting in AEW. And then, it, and, and I don't want to call the fans marks cause I don't mean that in a derogatory way, but the fans are such marks for Jericho that as soon as he said, no, we're not doing that. They cheered him to all high heaven and didn't do it again. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm a person who is always who is raised that when you're wrong, you you be a man, you admit you're wrong. I do. Before I get into this really quick, I do have to admit something. And I think I said it on this show months, months, months ago when we first talked about AEW during one of my appearances. And I said, look, I'm OK with Chris Jericho signing with this company. Just don't make him a top guy. Make him just just a, a veteran presence there. I was wrong. I was completely 150% wrong. Chris Jericho in this top heel role is the best thing this company could have done. Hit, leading the faction is something I didn't see coming. That's just the icing on the cake. But Jericho is just when he well at this point in his career when he cares about something he's going to give you the best Jericho you're going to see. And you could tell Chris legitimately cares about this and wants this to work. And he wants to make sure a Sammy Guevara becomes a superstar. He wants to make sure Santana and Ortiz become superstars. Like that's what like he passionately cares about this. And I was wrong. Like this is the perfect role for him. Um. Yeah, going off the cuff to cater to the fans, because we just talked about it. This company is branded as for the fans. Right. We're going to give you what you want. At the same time, though, it created a little bit of an issue that I mentioned in that we're 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 presenting Hager as this undefeated 
I, I'm sorry, I laughed, but I'll ex- right. in Bellator. He's, he hasn't he really nobody. been given the cream of the crop. Yeah, he's fought nobody. Let me just say that. Yeah. However, in his short time in Bellator, he's been running with this We the People thing. Yes, he has. He has the shirts. He has. I'm thinking to myself there, all right, Chris, that was cool because, like, once again, Chris Jericho proved I could have these people in the palm of my hand and they'll do what I want. But then poor Hager standing there with that stoic face, and I'm thinking, oh, this dude must be thinking, what? oh, Chris, you're killing me here because I use this in my MMA. Like, why are you doing that? Yeah, well, t- it's easy enough for him to create a new gimmick for himself. Well, you know well, what I mean? He did. He did well, I mean, his but, last fight, he gave the rock hard with emotion speech. But, so, I mean, but, he, he could just run with that. My point is, though, if if the creative was so shitty, and, and I say this, by the way, everyone listening in quotes, because... That's the word that uh, Jericho used. If the creative was so bad, he had years to do something different and didn't. Okay, he used it. Uh, if Perfect Ten was so bad for Ty Dillinger, why is he still do it? Why is Sean Spears doing Perfect Sean well, with a ten know. in it and still doing ten on the top rope? Okay, because it's, it's not because it's not that awful, and fans do like it. And the thing that I think a lot of people in AEW forget, especially when you see all these people running into the ring, and, and yes, Darby Allen. AEW guy, MJF, AEW guy. But let's not forget, a lot of the people getting insane pops in AEW, Dustin, Moxley, Cody, etc. These are guys that fans know because they were in WWE. Chris Jericho, fans know because he was in WCW, yes, but he had his greatest success in WWE. Jake Hagar, people know because he was in a world title match at WrestleMania, okay? And, his, and he was Jack Swagger. So it's fine to crap on WWE, Okay. They seem to be, AEW seems to be in this like mindset where it's like, it's not a war and we're not going to mention them, but, but when we want to, it's okay. But when they want to, it's not okay. Like they, they, like they have to tell, like, I I think, I think what Chris did last night wrong, but am I wrong, but am I wrong about that mindset that they, yeah. And they can't overdo it. Like, it's okay if you take a little jab. But, like, they don't want to do it. They don't want to do it. They don't want their fans bringing signs to the arena that crap on WWE. They say that's not what they're about. But on the occasions they want to, when the Young Bucks want to open um, being the elite with a red screen to make fun of the Hell in a Cell red broadcast. But it's okay because they're they're the ones doing it. You know what like, I mean? It's okay, son. Like the inner circle. It took me 10 minutes last night right. before the light bulb went off in my right. head. I said, oh, right. that's a jab at Vince. Of course it is. Yes. That's a Vince McMahon jab. Okay, I get it. But I'm cool with it because they didn't really mention it. It's just like, look, if you're smart enough and if you know enough about the, you'll get it. Like inner circle is I a jab at Vince. I think the inner circle thing, the red thing on being the elite, I thought those are both very subtle, funny little, funny little jabs. But I think when you have a character on being the elite that's Triple H with the sledgehammer or when you have Jericho in the ring crapping on another company's creative – it is – what's the word I'm looking for? It is very um, hypocritical, I guess. That's right. But, but no, Jericho's last night with the, with the crowd the way it was and the way it flipped the crowd, I had no problem because he did what he had to do he off did. the cuff. And not many guys could do that. Like So Jericho, just for last night, goes to talking about the shitty creative because he, he, he was losing the crowd and he brought them back in. Yeah. So if it's necessary in a case like that, yeah. Because like you said, like one thing that stood out to me last night too, like these XW – like. AEW is essentially built to a point for WWE guys who aren't getting utilized correctly right. to maybe get utilized correctly. But when I see Sean Spears, who I don't know, he might block me on Twitter for the 10th time after I say this because he's <laughs> done that, not block, unblock, block, whatever. But like when I see him come out there and flash that 10 at the crowd, I'm like, what are you doing, bud? Right. Why are you doing that? You're, you changed your, Why are you doing that? Your gimmick here is the chairman. So go with that. You had the chair. 
put that, hold that up, you know, above your head on the top rope. Why are you still doing 10? Why is your yeah. Twitter name still perfection with a 10 in it? I thought you've moved on, right? Yeah, it made no, that yeah. made no sense to me. But again, I'm not on the Sean Spears band. Like if last night was the last I see him on my TNT, I'm okay with it. Yeah. And for everyone that like joked that, uh, you know, Cody said he's a good hand, but then he put him in a, a big match at a pay-per-view and it was decent. He's a good hand. That that is what he is. He's yeah. And poor Cody he, himself had to carry the load in that. Battle. Like I don't. I I, I just. He's, by the way, dude, dude has Tully Blanchard in his corner, and he's still like maybe a mid carder, right? Yeah. And that's not to crap it's on him. Just, I don't. I don't dislike the guy. It's just and the, there's a lot more. Yeah, there's a lot more. I I mean I said it before. Like I, I I'd pair Tully with MJF because it absolutely. is like it is a father son type deal where like Tully Blanchard's like yeah you're really good at being a piece of shit but guess what kid. I could show if anyone could show you how to be an even bigger piece of shit than you already are. Right. It's me and MJF going, okay, yeah, please show me your ways. I think we, I, I think we've now, by the way, reached our shit limit for the show. So we, we, I think, I think we get twenty. Well, I think they, we get twenty they, maximum, and I think we've thanks Jericho. Right, right. It is. We're gonna blame Chris Jericho completely. But uh, no, out of out of last night, though. Speaking of him, the MJF stuff, I love it. I love it. I'm eating it up because they are doing so well. With the whole, when's he going to turn on Cody? Is he going to turn on Cody? When's it coming? And I think I figured out when it's going to come. The thing I love about MJF is every single thing he does, except wrestle. Is that unfair? Hey, he's he's only 22 years old. I'm just saying, I like everything. I'm just saying, I like 100% of the things he does that are not in spandex. Yeah, I, I never had a problem with MJF in the ring. Okay. Yeah, it just it doesn't connect. It doesn't, the heel. it doesn't connect to me. Maybe because his personality is so big and his stature is not that it makes me think he should be like five inches taller and stronger and like more of a badass. But oh, then, that's but, then but then when you bring him, no, I don't mean. Look, I'm shorter. I'm sure I'm shorter than him. I'm just saying. But when you bring him down and you and you put him in the ring with guys that are six five six six, you're kind of like, oh, this isn't. This guy doesn't seem to be standing up the same way. Does that make sense nope. or no? Well, people, people, people have compared the two since MJF sort of, and I don't want to say mainstream, but since people started to learn of MJF, they were like, if he just had EC3's body and talked like he does, like you have the, like if you could just merge EC3 and MJF together, perfect. Wrestling. You got, the, you got the perfect. Yeah, but no, it, that doesn't bother me. And here's much. the, you want another crazy thing? I don't think EC3 is incredible in the ring either, but he certainly, no. he certainly looks the part. If WWE was realizing what AEW was doing. And I said, man, that MJF guy, like, how did we not get a guy like him? You can turn EC3 into your own version of MJF. In fact, he kind of was an NXT, right? Not as much of an a-hole, but he was still a similar type of smug, arrogant, you know, like the rich stuff, you know, uh, not rich stuff, the expensive, he had expensive taste, things like that. You kind of have EC3 that you can use in that role right now, and I hope he gets drafted somewhere good, and I actually hope that they utilize him. All right, before we get out of AEW here, um, they have this number one contender match that they're having a AEW world title match before the pay-per-view, and for some reason it was Darby Allen and Jimmy Havoc. I know why Darby Allen was in the match. I still don't know why Jimmy Havoc was. Yeah. But, but okay, the wins-losses thing in AEW is boggling my mind as it stands. But uh, Darby Allen won. It was a really good match. Um, and then obviously you had Darby Allen... With the old El Generico type of skateboard run-in at the that end of the show. That was so cool. I think the best thing AEW is doing, you can praise them for Cody and Jericho and the Young Bucks and Private Party. I think the number one best thing they're doing 
is the way they are telling the story of Darby Allen. He got a small vignette uh, last night and the way they're pushing him. I mean, I don't want to like Darby in a sense. And the the, the most polite way I could put this. No, I I don't mean moves. I just mean like overall sort of like capturing the audience's attention and feelings. It's like he could be a Jeff Hardy type. Yeah, he's a without, millenn- without he's the a, headaches. He's a millennial Jeff Hardy, absolutely. Yeah, without the headaches. Well, sure. You know, you know sure. it's that's what that's what Darby can be. I lo- I love Darby, and again, like I, I've said this before, I use my wife to gauge how a mainstream audience reacts. She's been all in on Darby Allen since that road to where they told this whole story about his uncle, the drunk driver, and the. She's been all in on Darby Allen. She was doing something else yesterday, and when Darby's music hit, and it was time for the match, she came in and sat down. Yep. So like she, like Darby's story drew her in. She's just a casual viewer to this. Yeah. So I like I gauge that. Yeah, what they're doing with Darby is fantastic. Like that skateboard, like BC said, that, that popped me. That popped me big time. When he came flying down to the and Jericho's like, "What do I do?" And Darby <laughs> flew off the thing. And I like the dynamic next week of again Chris Jericho against this Darby Allen character. It's unique. It's different. And you know Jericho's going to go outside the box to make this kid look great before he inevitably gets beat down by the inner circle. But he's going to do what he can to make Darby look great. And Darby, like you said, is one of those characters where we wonder, where's he going to be a year from now in this company? Where's he going to be two years from now in this company? Yeah, I mean, he should be at the top. He is legitimate in every possible way. I think what AEW did very well uh, on Wednesday night, which was my criticism from week one, although I, I understood why, they started telling you who these guys are. Um, yeah. They gave us the promo from Jimmy Havoc, which I didn't think was particularly good, but they gave it to him before the match. And they told us a little bit about Darby Allen, especially if you had never seen the road to shows and you're just someone who happens to be watching on TNT. You got a little bit of a glimpse into who he was, both based on the little vignette they did and the way he acted on screen, both in yeah. his match and in the main event. So Darby Allen is a, a huge breakout for me. Honestly, for me, it's even more than MJF, but I know MJF is so good on the mic that just people fawn over him. Um, all right, moving on from AEW, let's touch on NXT because we gave AEW a lot of time. I thought it was very good. I thought it was the better show this week. I did not last week. But that does not mean NXT was bad. NXT this week was damn good. It started with Leo Rush winning the Cruiserweight Championship over Drew Gulak in a match that Jack, I wasn't expecting to be as good as it was despite really liking Leo Rush. I don't think it was a barn burner or anything. I don't think it was incredible. But WWE, in my opinion, NXT, in my opinion, made a really smart move. Yes. It's the the NXT, uh, the Cruiserweight title is now clearly an NXT title. Okay. Putting it on Rush off of Gulak tells you they're doing something different with it now. Gulak was always going to be a transitional champion anyway. I like that Gulak put Rush over. And what I liked more than all of that was they showed Rush getting congratulated backstage. And they're telling a story, at least I think they are, that this guy has been humbled. He was on the main roster. Stuff went down. It didn't go well. We know this as NXT viewers and inside baseball type of fans who read stuff on Reddit. That you know We know what happened with Leo Rush, even if the more casual audience doesn't. He's getting congratulated back there. And he's just like saying thanks, thanks, and shrugging. And it's not him popping champagne, a little bit of the bubbly, and going nuts in his charismatic best like he would if he was still on the main roster and had won the title. Yeah, this this what like you said perfect decision here because if they are going to rebrand 
the cruiserweight division as sort of an NXT. I don't think two, they, they're still taping 205 Live, I think, on Friday. So they like, s- they're going to start it again. They said they were going to. They, they said I they, don't think they should. They said they were going to Friday after the first SmackDown. They did not. That was part of yeah. the stuff that they did not deliver to the audience that they promised. It is supposed to go down Friday night after SmackDown. We will yeah. find out in 24 hours. It, whether it does, doesn't. I don't think 205. And I, look, I, I've enjoyed 205 Live especially. But it, I think that the option, the best option is to give the cruiserweights to NXT. And just spread them out over there. And I think Leo Rush is the perfect torchbearer for this transition. So putting the title on it. And plus, Drew Gulak, I think, is some... I've said I said this back in his when he was doing the whole PowerPoint thing. Drew Gulak will thrive on the main roster on other Raw or SmackDown. The guy, is he's charismatic. He's a good promo. He's excellent in the ring. Just an excellent technician. Like, Drew will be... I think... I don't know how they're going to do this draft. But I think Drew should... Next, beginning next week should be on either Raw or SmackDown. Like, get him away from the cruiserweights. He did a great job with it, but it's time to get him on to, I don't want, you know, you you don't want to say bigger and better things, but I think he could do well on one of those shows. And now you have Leo just carry the, the cruiserweight torch going forward. I love it. And the match was, yeah, the, like you said, the match wasn't anything five stars, holy crap, but it, it, was, it was good enough to keep, to keep me invested, and the outcome was fine only thing i wish they did was when regal was there putting the strap on him i just kind of wish that they uh pulled a black um, a, a black title out of the bag please yeah. a black strap just change the strap it's gonna look if, if that yes. title had a black strap it would look incredible yes. instead it still looks like a joke so i hope with leo rush they do change the title um especially if he does something where it's more his style and obviously he wears black and gold as his colors so it would really look nice but i I thought it was a really good way to open the show. Look, NXT is not going to beat AEW in the ratings anytime soon. Maybe never, honestly. And I don't, I think people think it's supposed to. It's not. It's just supposed to be another show that's on at the same time to siphon off some of the audience so that AEW does 1.2 million as opposed to 1.3 or 1.4. That's why NXT is there. And if you're going to keep opening with matches like this, then you're going to get the Silver King to watch you live and watch AEW on tape delay because I know I can fast forward through that in terms of matches I really don't care about, some of the women's matches on AEW, some of the other stuff that isn't really totally for me, um, and then still enjoy AEW. Also, AEW is on that 10 to 12 replay. They replay immediately after the live show. So if you keep doing NXT and you keep giving people a reason to stick with it, then you say to them, hey, watch us live. Man, that's another thing that's returned to professional wrestling really quick. The, the the damn replay, like, um, so I saw somebody say Monday night, I, was it Monday night or two, Tuesday night, Tuesday night, SmackDown was on FS2. Yes, they've been replaying it on the and, stations, yes. And then, yeah, you have the, the 10 to 12 for AEW, which is smart for now, because you, you, you're, you're still, you're still trying to build your audience for AEW, um, no, for NXT, you're right. They're, I, I don't think they're here to beat AEW. Like you said, they're here to sort of, like you said, siphon off the viewers, you know, pull some in, just a couple hundred thousand if you can, whatever you can get here and there from them. Exactly. And if they if they run into a situation where all of a sudden NXT starts blowing up and there's issues, I, and there's issues with AEW in terms of creative or something just isn't ex- – ex- there's a couple women's matches on the shows and fans aren't excited and at the same time NXT is giving them something good – who knows what can happen? Quarter hour, hour, you know? Yeah, because I know people will get mad at me for saying this because I've seen them get mad at other people. One thing I noticed, like I'm watching NXT last night, great show. Again, like, the, God, I love the product they give us. Always did. 
But my thing is, look, if you're going to turn this into a war, I'm sorry, guys, you got to leave full sale. Yeah, I can't I can't go from watching 10,000 people screaming for Chris Jericho to look, I I know half of those people in the front row by first name <laughs> in NXT. JJ Izzy, all those guys. Like, you're great, but like right. I could you got to leave. Well, no. Like the presentation matter if 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 you're going to turn this into a us versus them. It's like, yeah, you can't it's if you're you really tr- if you're really trying to com- compete, you probably should leave. Um but I don't really think that they care, and I don't think that they are. Uh, and if you do leave, what WWE's mindset is, well, if we're going to have these guys travel, then we're going to have them travel. You know what I mean? We're going to go do a 5,000-seat stadium or arena, I'm sorry, for the show, but we're also going to do two house shows while we're there. That's not going to work. So WWE is going to have to decide what they want uh, NXT to be, what they want the purpose of it to be. For me, I do not see them leaving Full sale anytime soon. I think they are content with what they have. If they, well, get, they, if they yeah, can get 750, 800, 900,000 viewers, an occasional 1 million, I think USA is happy. They're paying them nothing for it. Um, and meanwhile, if AEW keeps delivering ratings and keeps growing its audience and they start going 1.5 million, 1.6, all of a sudden WWE yeah. has, has some real big decisions on their hands. But and it, I love full sale and everything. But yeah, if, if this is going to turn into that, like you said, if, if AEW is going to start pulling away in the race. Anyone who's yeah. anyone who's anyone who is channel flipping and lands on NXT is like, oh, this is the new startup, and then AEW is the third brand of WWE. If you didn't know any better, if you didn't know any better, I could see where someone would make that. that that's all I'm saying. Just based on the yeah. presentation, based on the look, you would say, oh, this NXT thing is different. AEW isn't really that different. It's just new and an alternative. All right, yeah. wait, let's keep going with NXT. We do have to get BC on this show. I know he's pining to talk. Uh, about NWA Power, which is what he's coming on for, for everyone who's listening. Uh, there was another showcase match for Isaiah Swerve Scott against Roderick Strong. I don't think Swerve has won a single match that he's been in, uh, either in 205 Live or in NXT at the same time. I don't think there's been anyone in this new class, including Cameron Grimes, who has impressed me nearly as much as Swerve, because Swerve has... It. And when I say Swerve has... It. I'm not, like downplaying it a little bit this guy has in a way that kofi kingston had back when he was feuding with randy orton i think swerve has a huge future in wwe to me he's a no-brainer future nxt champion um you know probably a little bit more about the former shane strickland than i do from his time on the independent scene just tell me how impressed you were with this match against roderick strong and where you think his ceiling is in wwe yeah, I've actually I've actually had the the pleasure of getting to know Shane over the past few years. I mean, he's a great dude. I'm so happy for him when he signed. Um, he he is he he has that knack for just making everything look so easy and effortless in the ring. Just it, it, it's so fluid, so smooth, and he has the character to go with it. Yeah, he he's not he's not lighting the world on fire with some winning streak right now. But eventually, this man is going to be a big star in that company. NXT, Raw, SmackDown, he's going to be a huge star. And they just keep putting him in these showcase matches right now. And he is taking advantage of every single opportunity he's been getting. Yeah, it was a great match. Um, I loved the post-match, too, with Velveteen Dream popping up above the announcers and Morrow and showing the picture of Roderick Strong with the title draped over his private area, snapping his fingers and then it's just a little no sign over his real private areas that are blurred out. Um, I thought that was 
really funny. It tells me, by the way, that NXT is truly TV 14. They are not going for PG there. Not that we didn't know that already, but man, that was way more risque than anything I think WWE has even done in quite some time. And I loved, this is a little off topic, but Marina Shafir's wife uh, posted on Twitter immediately after the end of NXT, a picture of herself in a wheelchair being wheeled around Disney by Roderick Strong. And I forgot the exact caption, but it was something along the lines of the night after our wedding, which is just like pure wrestling. It was great. Such a good tweet on her part. Um, I absolutely loved it. I didn't totally love Tommaso Ciampa coming out. Uh, It just felt unnecessary and jammed in. Do you agree with me or no? Yeah, that felt, that's a good point. Like that's where it felt like you're trying to jam too much in there. And especially someone returning like Champa, you know, you had the big moment last week. You maybe just let it go. Let it linger for a little bit. Keep the fans wanting more. It did, That did. When, when I watched it, it's funny you, you say that. It did. It, feel, it felt a little forced to me. And I was like, ah, you, you probably could have done without that. I also didn't like that there wasn't really a follow-up with Balor. Like, you had, you made this big deal last week about Finn Balor coming back. And, yeah, you showed it. And you gave us a small vignette of him for people who didn't know him already, at least from NXT. And it made you feel like, man, this guy should be universal champion. He shouldn't be back in NXT, but you know, regardless. Um, Boy, we were talking about the fo- we were talking about the Fox exec. Wouldn't it be funny if the Fox executives went to Vince and were like, "Hey, we want that Balor guy if right, he's back," right. and they have to completely scrap the NXT thing? Exactly. Uh, also, I really liked uh, backstage Champa just smacking the hell out of Angel Garza when he started speaking Spanish to him, and he just was, wasn't having any of it. Smacked him. It was a really nice moment. Um, one other thing I w- I'll quickly mention is I complained last week about NXT not really telling us about the superstars. I said if they want to reach a new audience, you need to tell us who these guys are, guys and girls, why we care about them. So in that vein, I thought they did a really good job with the vignettes for Keith Lee, Matt Riddle. Um, sorry, not Matt Riddle. Keith Lee, Killian Dane, Pete Dunne, and Damian Priest. I thought yeah. telling us just a little bit about those guys was good. And then Jack, last but certainly not <laughs> least, Walter versus Kushida. I, I said earlier that Leo Rush and Drew Gulak was not a barn burner. This is the definition of a barn burner main event. Absolutely top to bottom incredible. You know, it's fun. this is really funny. And this is what I couldn't wait to talk about today. After Walter's debut on that UK show, you and I, BC, just happened to be out again, coincidentally. And you asked me because you were a little unfamiliar and a lot of the listeners were. So you said to me, Jack, explain Walter, please. Right. And I told you guys, right. I said, the dude just has a presence that you can't find anymore. But when you just see him, you think, oh, this dude is special. I said, but the thing that's going to get you is when he gets in that ring, you're going to go, oh, my God. I didn't think this guy could do half of this stuff. He has me invested, whether it's a 10-minute match, 20, 30, 40. Walter is just overall just an amazing presence and that company is lucky that they finally have him and last night though you now you put him in the ring with another great wrestler Kushida who last night you know I'll praise him all the time I enjoy their product but New Japan Pro Wrestling told him you cannot compete with the heavyweights you are simply our junior heavyweight yeah you can't compete at that level now not not in storyline though let me clarify that really the, the, the Gato and the rest of the executives told Kushida, no, you're nothing more than a junior heavyweight. You can't move up like an Osprey can. And he went, okay, I'll sign with WWE. And look what that man did last yeah. night. He went in there against the super heavyweight. The, probably the, one of the 
best, if not the best super heavyweight in wrestling right now. And what a show they put on. And because to me, the underrated part of that was Kushida sort of giving the double birds to New Japan. Like, yes, I can. He he was better in that match than anything, even when healthy, that Kenta did in WWE. In NXT. I yes, yes, yes. I can, I can agree straight with that. Straight up. Just straight up better. Maybe not Nakamura level in NXT. I mean, I don't know. That was a fantastic match. We're talking about just a match, obviously. It was great. He proved he belonged. He proved that he can not just be in the cruiserweight scene. But if we're being fair, and he may not like it, Leo Rush, Kushida, feud. like Cool, baby. And then Kushida being a cruiserweight champion and legitimizing it. And and maybe Gargano becomes it. And maybe you actually treat the cruiserweight title as a real number three title on NXT along with the North American Championship, etc. I don't think you have to push Kushida for the NXT Championship. And honestly, I think you probably need some development before he gets there in terms of you know, actually catering to this NXT WWE audience. I don't really think he is there yet. The Back to the Future stuff is fine, but it's also like 20 years too late, you know? So it's, I think he needs a little bit more seasoning in that regard. And for him to be around the Cruiserweight title, be around the North American title, and be feuding with guys like Riddle and Dane and and Priest and Dunn, we're going to get some great action from Kushida and he's going to prove to new Japan. Like you said that he does belong in WWE and Walter certainly proved, even though we never really doubted it, that he belongs in a major organization. Man, oh and, man. and what a great deal WWE made saying to him. Uh, and I don't think he's going to be in NXT us for a huge extended period of time, but what a great deal WWE said to him. You don't want to move from Austria. Fine. You don't have to move from Austria. We're going to start NXT UK. We're going to make you the face of it, but you know what? We're going to fly to the U S here and there. And Walter, don't forget, here's a guy who, who out of character, said just about a year, year and a half ago, I don't want to be on Raw or SmackDown. I'll work, he goes, I will sign a contract with NXT if they come to me, which he eventually, this was before he signed, he said, if right. they come to me, I will sign with NXT. He wanted no part of the WWE made roster, this guy. Yeah, and you know what? He doesn't need it because you have him on NXT UK, that's great. You have him on NXT US here and there. Give him a championship run at some point. That's going to work too. Jack, we have talked WWE. We have talked AEW. We have talked NXT. And it makes you wonder, how is there anything left to talk about? There is something left to talk about. It's called NWA Power. And for that, folks, we're going to welcome in the man whose name is on this damn marquee, Brian Campbell, and we're going to do it live. F it. We'll do it live. I'm calling him right now on Skype. Hold on. Come home, Brian. Introducing to the State of Combat with Brian Campbell podcast, it's the Brian Campbell. In this Campbell podcast. BC, welcome to your own show. How you wow, doing? This is a bizarre world. This is a, first <laughs> of all, guys, uh, a first time, long time. And you know, the, the female listeners know what I mean by that one. All right. Um, wow, that was weird. Hey, uh, yeah, this is very Nick Cosmos-like. I feel like I should be more tan and... Uh, Spell, smell much more uh, desperate, but I do love that man. He's got a great salad these days. Thank you for having me call into my own show. I was um, in Jamaica and um, loaded and, and drunk, but I'm back. All right, I'm back. Welcome anyway. home, BC. Welcome home. Absolutely. Yeah. So, BC, we talked about a lot of stuff that you haven't seen. You may know about some of it. You haven't seen most of it. Uh, but the where we are now in the extended edition of the Brian Campbell podcast Brian. Without, without Brian Campbell is talking about NWA power. Now I, 
I knew that you needed to see this before today's show. I didn't want to wait a full week. So straight up, how much did you pop for what Billy Corgan presented? Uh, I'm so damn fired up. I mean, hit the sirens, hit the motorcycle engine revving, hit the... um, Do you feel like... Can you feel that? I feel it in my bones, Kevin Owens. Look, I've used this term before. I didn't invent it. People have used this as well. I've used this at times for New Japan Pro Wrestling for AEW, for a hot second, for for NXT. But really, guys, this is how I want my pro wrestling. It's brilliantly simple. It's so damn basic. It's the, it's the blueprint on how I believe you should present wrestling. Do they have a million stars? No. But in some ways, that didn't work to their detriment. Because you know what they were about? Storytelling. The damn meat. They don't have the same cows to sacrifice and the workers that that an NXT or an NJPW would. But they went back to the original formula, which is we are going to use this broadcast to get people over and to create real seemingly discrepancies between each one. And the promos, the what you know what the one thing at NWA power is doing right now that nobody else, not even my beloved AEW, although I have not seen episode two yet, and I hear great things about this Jericho promo that's about to change my life. They're not stomping me in the mud hole in terms of promos. And NWA has built the foundation where this will will matter and it will work. It's basic. It's I'm going to kick your ass. You're not as tough as me. And you've got the soundtrack of the audience living and dying with everyone. All we need is a few blade jobs, which I think probably will be coming. I could not be popping or that other word I just said more than I am right now for this. Does it remind me of the wrestling that hooked me? You bet your life it does. Jacko, you 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 grew up on this well-aged meat. It's not a hard <laughs> It's not a hard formula, but yet in 2019, we really can have it all, Jack. I never, I didn't, I didn't think this was going to be part of the equation here. I thought it was AEW versus WWE. Oh, look, there's NXT. No, we can have it all. It's called 605 on Tuesday nights, and it's called the Wednesday Night Wars. The rest of it, Silver King, get ready because the Red and Black podcast is here. Why are you calling you can me talk out? All day, all you want about Kofi Kingston and the rest of them guys. I need this because it's still real to me, damn it. What they're doing, they're playing to the commercial kids. They're playing pop music on Monday and Friday nights. This is the real stuff. Oh, Go, they're doing that Wednesday Go. too. Excuse me. Go ahead, Jack. No, this, this, BC, I wanted to fly to Jamaica. after I said, I cannot wait to talk to this man. I can't get a hold of him. He's in, I, can't, I need to talk to Brian right now about this. He needs to see this. Uh, no, oh, that God, that promo desk. I, I was almost in tears when I saw that promo desk. But here's the thing that, that that they did. You know, when you watch, you go WWE Network, you look, there were some guys that NWA used to put on that promo desk that maybe didn't belong there, that were a little bland. What did this NWA do? Eli Drake came out there, spit fire. That dude looked like more of a star than the, what, four or five years he was with TNA? He looked more of a One promo. It helps that he's a top five talker in the world and maybe the most underused guy in all of wrestling in terms of lingering and impact doing good stuff and nobody's watching it and then you said maybe a top five talker in the world so then we move on to someone who is a top five talker of this past decade eddie kingston they throw eddie out there to that when eddie kingston walked to that desk to cut a promo i said 
This is it. This is the best wrestling you can give me. If Eddie's going to talk at that desk, I am here for it. And then Homicide comes behind him. And I said, are you kidding me? <laughs> and like, I'm New Jack from 98. But something like Eddie Kicks and Homicide is the perfect, perfect blend of NWA saying, here's the nostalgia mixed with what you like in the present. And look, he, it may not be, there's no work rate in it, but it's about, it like, you know what I loved? They gave us squash matches. This is actually what I want. But it wasn't just like, oh, here's the Viking Raiders for the 17th squash match in a row. It was, oh, that jobber guy is kind of coming from underneath. Oh, he might actually be somebody in a few months. I'm not really sure yet. But either way, it's telling me a story. It's getting a guy's personality over so that I am invested when he finally does have a real match. Is it that hard? So here's the question I have for you guys, because I watched it. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought the second half was far better than the first half, mostly because I loved what they did with Tim Storm. I loved the main event with Nick Aldis. That was great. So I am not an aficionado of studio wrestling like you guys both were, watched it as kids, etc. But I've seen it before. I've seen it on WWE Network. I'm aware of it. NWA Power, to me, because they didn't just do studio wrestling, they tried to make it look as if it was old school studio wrestling. It Mm -hmm. felt to me a little bit especially the first half of the show where I don't think the action was as good, like a parody of NWA or or, or stuff of old, as opposed to what I thought it might be, which would be studio wrestling for a new generation. Meaning you can still have the ring in the studio and the setup and the announce desk and all those things, but they used like on-screen graphics from like the 60s and 70s it's 2019. I'm not saying... But you said there, Adam. So why, right. What I'm asking you're is, why couldn't right. we have a mix? That's what I'm asking. But here's the deal, though. If you had a mix, if this was the 1984 look or 1978 look, but 2019 wrestling, do you know what you would have? A forgotten piece in this larger wrestling puzzle. Because you'd ask yourself, what are they bringing to the table? So, oh, the set... Also- they can't compete well, under 2019 <clears throat> style with that roster. So what they're doing is they're almost, I don't know how good they're going to get. I don't know if it's ever going to go bigger than the feeling I have right now, but I think that they could fill a void that ECW did in the nineties by being so different from the main two that it's like, I got a home for this. I need this in my life. And the fact that the parody, you might be right, but it's such a perfect facsimile of that to me, where it's not tongue-in-cheek, it's not, we're doing this to get you to laugh. We're doing this because we know you're lapsed. We know you're missing this, and we know you want to taste mom's home cooking again. You want apple pie. You want all that again. You can have it in 2019. I think it's brilliant. That was the smartest thing Lagana and Corbin did, was not jack up the work rate. Instead, be like, this could fit. This is timeless. It's friggin' timeless, Silver Kane. So, I want to clarify. I'm not really talking about the work rate. I'm talking more about the production. I'm talking about, like, the like. okay, for example, they had the commercial in the middle for the guy's wrestling school. It felt like, because of that, a parody, as opposed to, oh, this is a real wrestling show that we're putting on. <laughs> it, 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 it felt like they were trying so hard not to be in 2019, where I think they could have done the exact same show with the same matches, and the same people and all that, but simply not had graphics, a graphic package from 1960. It's almost like when they did the interview with Tim, Tim Storm in his classroom, there shouldn't have been a computer there. You know what I mean? That, they, made it feel, they made it feel like they were trying to tape a show from the 70s yeah. 
as opposed yeah, as opposed this, to taping a show in 2019 that just operated like an old school show. Do you understand what I'm saying? This this studio type wrestling show that you're explaining is NXT in full sale. Nah, no, it's not. It's, it's not. pretty much what it is. It's not. I'm yeah, ta- it's, I'm talking about yeah, doing the same the show setting. With- I'm talking about doing the exact same show that they gave us, but not. Like Brian said, not having it look like a facsimile, just kind of saying, we're going to keep the lights on. We're going to have the interview desk. We're going to do all these elements. We're just, we're not going to have graphics on the screen that are from 1970. We're going to have, you know, let me spin that on you. Would it be as unique if it, because to me, if it had all 2019 graphics and 2019 look, but still a studio, it would be like no better than impact wrestling, to be honest with you. Okay, Maybe, maybe you come to it and you'd go, okay, cool idea. But most of these guys either came from Impact or look like they belong in Impact, so I'm not going to really have a need to watch it. Because they're sticking with this vibe, it's reaching so deep into our lap soul that now I have to see it. And that's exactly the question I was asking, is, is if you agreed with that or not. So I'm glad you said that. Yeah, they're hitting monster home runs here. The blood, whether it's real or fake, by the way, because I'm not really against Fake blood? You make fake blood work? I'm in on it, okay? Yeah. Can you give us a blade job? I love all this at the end with, was it Camille? Can you can you hit the zipper button, please? Yeah, Camille. Um, yeah. Wow. Um, I love that he would just not <laughs> let her talk, that he knows. Like, little things like that are so Four Horsemen 1980s that, look, it's it's week one. It's a YouTube show. I don't know where it's going. You don't know where it's going. But there's smart people behind the scenes. They've taken the slowest road possible to get to this point yeah. and make sure that all the details matter, that I'm wondering what could happen once that roster does get better, once people start seeing what they're doing there. And by the way, they put out wrestlers that I have never heard of before that I would have laughed at at first sight, and they got me to care about them. So the formula, they may be using old pots and pans, but the taste, wow, Jacko, they got something brewing here. They yeah. got it. And because people have their heads wrapped around, like all, with all this Wednesday Night War stuff going on, everyone has their head wrapped around TV ratings. Last I saw, which was early Wednesday morning, that show drew 22,000 on YouTube. That's incredible. Which is great. That's incredible. That is great for them. 22,000 viewers. And I thought it was great they put Tim Storm in the main event, Jack. You yeah. saw when they came out with 10 pounds of gold, and they, it was great. The, the content uh, in the, at the start of that web series, was so damn good. They got me to care about this tanned 50-year-old wrestler who I'd never heard of before, but like legitimately uh, care about his backstory. It felt real. So the fact that they put him in the main event and they let him wrestle his ass off in comparison to his limitations, beautiful. Everything was beautiful. I want them to, I want Billy Corgan to call WWE. I want them to go to Vince. After watching that show, I said, I want Billy to call Vince and say, Vince, please, can we have the Starcade? trademark can we please can we please just buy it from you can we and can we run the greensboro coliseum can, that that's what that show like Vince, you, we, real we don't ask game. for anything just give us the starcade trademark yeah like i love you paul nxt i don't need nxt war games with a top open on the cage i don't need it i really don't you can do other kind of matches in fact we've said this before can't do it though because AEW is going one direction and nwo is dug in and they're going another but really if we had Cody and them boys teaming up here with well Brian. You never know. Hold, well, hold on, Brian. That's hearkening back. You remember my idea? Yeah, it was great. My and, my and idea, it's, Jack, it's, and I don't know if you ever heard it at the time. Yeah, what was it? My idea was for basically AEW 
to actually be NWA for for Corgan to be the one that is for Corgan to be Tony Khan basically and and yeah, take Cody the heartbeat behind it yeah, yeah to be yeah. the heartbeat behind it and for those guys to revitalize the NWA brand which was already established with titles and so on and so forth and make that the next wrestling company and had they done that I mean things would be to- night well, you and day could different call it AEW but you have the NWA championship and you have all the trademarks and all that because sure. off the start along with the studio they they might have the three best title belts in all of wrestling <laughs> in NWA right well, now you- it's it's perfect it's amazing I kind of wish this but you know what I don't need to wish that because guess what AEW is becoming WCW I'll gap yes, in my heart guess what this is becoming old school territory gap in my heart I love me some NXT I love me the four times a year when we really have to care about New Japan. The rest of it, though, I'm not like saying this to be a a jerk or a punk or whatever. You can have that. No, literally, Silver King, you can have that. You can have money. I I don't know what happened. I've seen some highlight clips. Apparently, Cain Velasquez is going to have a rematch with Brock. Apparently, my guy Tyson Fury is there. (laughs) Yet with that said, a lot of people in this show that listen going to my DMs going, hey, BC, I know it's big news, but this is not for us anymore. This is for, look, I just got the press release from WWE about this draft they're going to do that I'm actually excited about. They're using all kinds of real Fox studio analysts. Adam, there's our answer. Well, we were talking about it, yeah. Plus USA Network personalities on the show. So so in, in theory, they're doing it right. Yet with that said, you know what Monday, Friday is? It's for them. It's for the, not necessarily the lapsed fans, it's for fans of entertainment and mainstream who may get sucked in. And by the way, they may get sucked in because of Tyson Fury or Kane and Brock, and that's fine. That ain't for me. That's pop music, all right? I'm here for the rock and roll, for the indie. I'm here for it, for... For Dad Rock, I'm here for all the Americana folk. Give me the real stuff. Inject it in my veins. We can have it all. It's the third boom period, and this is where I draw the line. The Red and Black podcast is here. It's back. The Wolf – don't – do not turn your back on the Wolf Pack, Adam, all right? You, you might get Who's jacked up. Who's turning his back? <laughs> you can have Monday and Fridays. And here's, by the way, that might be for you, and that doesn't make okay. you a bad person. But right now, we can draw the line in the sand and say, as for me in my house, this is who I serve. And Wednesday nights are for me, and 6.05 on Tuesday for Jack's family, for my family. <laughs> Look where we're at right now for wrestling. I don't need the red and blue brands. They served a purpose. People that listen to Bieber People that listen to Beyonce, <laughs> hey, the hips may not lie. I don't care, though, Jack. I need the real stuff, bro. I don't need at chain restaurants, right? I shop at Mom and Pop. I need that right now. Wrestling is here. It's alive, Jack. So did you Did you have a good time? <laughs> oh, so many pina coladas. Right <laughs> the beach. Right no, BC, I, 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 but that, but we, I talk about it all the time out here. That is what makes this period of wrestling so great. You and I can lose our minds over everything we saw on NWA, and we can have Adam say, I didn't particularly like this or this or this, and that's okay, because Adam can go flip out over everything he saw on NXT, for example. It's just, well, just That's what's great about I want, this. I want Brian. So Brian will be back, obviously. We'll, we'll be doing another episode next Tuesday, by the way, which as of at least right now is the new day for the wrestling edition of State of Combat podcast. And Brian will have the opportunity to watch the 17 hours of professional wrestling that he's missed. He'll have the opportunity to listen to Jack and I record our Hell in a Cell, or not record, but our uh, to listen to our Hell in a Cell instant analysis, 
where we absolutely destroy Vince McMahon and the WWE. Brian, Brian. And then, Brian, on next Tuesday's show, you can ask the Silver King whether he's red and black or, or where I actually stand. But I think you'll have a really good idea by the time you listen through all of that. Well, remember those days when we would come on this show and know we had nothing good to say because they gave us, I don't want to say crap, because it, I always say, if they swung big and gave us crap, I'd accept it. But they just gave us watered-down BS. Those days are over, guys. We don't have to watch Monday and Friday anymore. You might, because that's the way you've been trained or ingrained, but we can have it all. Jack, imagine imagine in 2019 if someone's like, you can only listen to the local classic rock station and the local pop hit station on your radio. Can't go on YouTube. Can't go on Spotify, Songify, whatever. Can't use your CD collection. You can only listen to this process crap in your face. It's only Boston's greatest hits for you from here on out. No, Jack. No, we get it all, bro. Here's the thing with you, uh, BC. You're you're taking such a stance, and, and I'm sure this is something we'll discuss further later. But you're taking such a stance that everything else they do, quote unquote, they do is now all of a sudden crap where the last couple of weeks or, or here and there over the course of, of any given year, you praise them for doing things that are fun, that pop you, that excite you. So you can't simultaneously say, well, all of this is all of this is garbage, except for the couple times I like it. Listen, hear me out here, uh, Dr. Slugworth. Uh, here, check it out here. Um, are we doing it in light of our expectations? Are we doing it in light of they give us bland nothing for three weeks, and then on the fourth week, whoa, okay, I can get behind that. That might be going somewhere. It never goes anywhere, Adam, <laughs> That's the truth. ever. That's and the truth. inevitably, you're sleeping in the dirty bed sheets. and I'm not going to sit here one more day and let you tell me that 2018 SummerSlam delivered of the expectations <laughs> of the second biggest pay-per-view of the year. No, it was. I'll, let, me give you a, let me give you a great analogy. I don't know if I gave this before on the show, okay? You know, my, we talk pizza a lot on the show. I tell you I love pizza made by Greek people because it's greasy. There's extra cheese. The crust is thick. The sauce is, is unique. Everything is just a lot. I ate Mike's Pizza Palace in Naugatuck, Connecticut for most of my life. Loved it. Why? Because there's two drunk old Greek guys that are bald, and they just cook it up, and they are amazing, and their, their wives cook it up too. Well, all four of them for the most part has retired, and if you go back there today – You'll get a son, a nephew, some kid from down the street cooking, and it tastes a little bit, Adam, a little bit like the old flavor. Maybe enough to nostalgically keep you there, but it's not the same thing anymore. That's WWE. That's 2018 SummerSlam. We've, we've, we retrained our expectations to go, okay, you know, it wasn't what I wanted. I could have booked the territory 17 better ways. But you know what? It was all right. It was no, it wasn't. It wasn't worth it if you spent the money to go there or if you bought the nine nine. It wasn't worth it. It wasn't <laughs> the completion. Wow, hit the zipper on that one. It wasn't the the full look, what you know what we want in life? We want to max out. All right? Not on the bench. No. We wanna we don't wanna be a failure. We don't want to be an underachiever. We want to get the absolute most out of ourselves, and we demand that from the products we consume or chase after or the people in our lives that we try to welcome in as friends or more than that. And this WWE, which has been in our lives forever, they stopped trying to max out. And that's crazy to talk about a guy named Vince who stopped trying to max out. Big dog. Big now, dog. now he has to max out because there's competition. 
And now there's other people around with different formulas and flavors and recipes who are maxing out every single week. So you can stay there on Monday and Friday nights because it still tastes like it used to, right? No. You're inevitably going to be let down because it's not for you. It's for that next fan that they can hook so they can convince dad to buy T-shirts for the kids. But there's real wrestling out there that satisfies real wrestling fans in 2019. And luckily, there's a few different cooks in this kitchen. And we can enjoy them all. Jack, it's glorious. Jack, I'm not telling you you have to give up Monday and Friday nights. But if you did, as a man, I'd respect you more. <laughs> well, number one, because, well, number one, because you don't do the raw recap anymore. If I give up Mondays, I'm going to lose my job. True. So I can't do that. Now, Fridays, though, that might be a different story. What's college football season? And my wife says, come here. That might be a different story. But um, <laughs> come on, because well, what's college football season? And she went and goes, OK, Fridays, we're going here, here and here. But um, As- no, be, I, like you and I just happen to cut, like we're cut from that same cloth of like we watched the same thing growing up. We watched the same shows. And yeah, NWA power that did. I wasn't I, like that is when I say that is legitimately my favorite show of the week after it is. Like, I can't wait to see what else they can give me more so than I'm waiting to see what happens on Raw, what happens on SmackDown, what happens on Dynamite. What right, happens? Let me, let me ask you both this, okay? Because I didn't see the shows in the last week, okay? How close did NXT Episode 2 come to fulfilling its potential? Episode, so I think NXT, in terms of quality, won last week in week one. AEW yeah. was the better show this week. AEW this week was better than the first AEW show. But and NXT tried, right? They went. Oh, they're really good. It was really good. The the two hours we got, Jack, confirm uh, the two hours we got from NXT. If they give us if they give that to us every week, everyone's happy. Okay, you just let out the bag that AEW and I read that on Twitter brought it in week two. Can't wait to watch it. Started it. Didn't finish it. Um, Raw from Monday night. I got texts from friends saying, look. This is this might be the worst raw I've seen in the last year. Well, they, if I see well, the, it, was, and, it was a, I, they, com- they completely mailed it in on purpose because of the draft. It, it yeah, wasn't, it, because of the draft. It was very and clear. Look, Brian, Hell in a Cell really had people in their feelings. Like when I say like the Hell in a Cell really, Brian, had people you need to on, Brian bad taste in their mouth. You need to watch Hell in a Cell because this is what you you need to be prepared for. I'm not going to spoil it, although I'm sure you've seen things. The first okay, match. Listen, listen real quick. The first match is as good as a WWE match can be, okay? The rest of the show, despite them not announcing any matches, ended up being pretty good to the point where Jack and I are like, oh, my God, WWE managed to put on, like, a solid B pay-per-view despite announcing, no- announcing nothing, and we still have the main event to go. And then the main event took the entire show from, like, a B or a B-plus even, maybe, to, like, an overall grade of a D. And it, it did fit legit one of the craziest things I've ever seen. Nailed it in. You gave it an excuse. But again, we've had the same excuse. And you say, well, you come on this show and say good things about WWE. I really haven't said anything good about Raw and SmackDown consistently, with the exception of the man's rising and Daniel Bryan's heel turn. Since when, Adam? 2016. Since what? 2017. The fall of 2017? Really? Yeah, no, really, w- right? no WWE is in a downturn. I don't think there's any disagreement. In fact, when in our Hell in a Cell incident analysis, we also did a SmackDown on Fox semi type of instant analysis where I basically said very similarly to you, like they put out a good show. They did what they were supposed to do. 
but it didn't really do anything for me, the first SmackDown. Now, obviously, when you see it, you're going to have your own opinion on it. But this last week of WWE TV, really, the last two weeks of WWE TV, really haven't been much of anything. But what the company has told us and made very clear is this draft is the turning point for them. It seems to be what they are saying. There is a major press conference on Friday at the T-Mobile Arena for, obviously, Blood Money in the Sand 4. I just got the press release that you got as well. I'm seeing the names here. A-Rod, Michael Che, Colin Jost, Christian Slater, Aikman, Joe Buck. Like, these are (laughs) big-ass names, and that's just the beginning of them that they are having. Jack, to tie a knot on the WWE draft discussion that we had earlier in the show— Uh, they're going to do three picks for raw for every two for SmackDown. There's going to be 70 total people drafted over two nights. I mean, they're doing it as you and I guessed Fox versus USA. They're making it about the network battle. So they are making a huge deal out of this draft. If they don't deliver, you know, six weeks from now, if Raw and SmackDown are not, not significantly better, I'm going to be completely in your camp because I watched Wednesday night and I saw four hours of great wrestling. I saw a fifth grade hour on NWA power. I enjoyed it. NWA power. We've talked about it. I don't even, I still don't even think we've given the main event and Tim storm enough credit because it was freaking fantastic. I almost cursed, but what I'm, but, it, but what, hold on, but what I'm saying to you is <clears throat> WWE just now is doing their reset. So to throw them in the garbage and close the lid and put it out on the street corner, I think we're overreacting, or I should say you are overreacting a little bit too much when we are just about, I think, to see WWE give us their full faith and effort, which you wanted from competition with AEW. Do I want to go on that roller coaster ride, though, week to week, and hope that I get what I want? Or do I want to tune in Tuesday and Wednesdays well, and get that, what I need? But that, but now, now we see the... the, the the issue that's presented with this discussion right now is that basically everything in the industry right now is in a bit of a holding pattern. Everything. We just saw NWA, the first episode. So now we're saying, okay, that was great. Like we're marketing that that was great. Like you, you just, you went on that great rant about it, but also you have to say, okay, but where is this taking me? AEW. It was okay. Last week was great, but what is episode two going to bring me? What's three going to bring me? Four? Like we're, we're just in this NXT, only three weeks old. It's like okay, we still don't know what this is as a weekly product. And now WWE is saying to us, to Adam's point, they are they're in they're they're kind of um. They told us the just, last month didn't matter. Indirectly telling us they told us the last month hey, of their program draft- didn't matter. This draft is going to drastically change our landscape and what we're giving you. And yeah, we have to put some faith in. Okay, we'll see if you're telling the truth this time because at Hell in the Cell, you really, really soured me on you. So you better do something with this draft and make sure it means something or else, bud. I t- BC, you'd be. Ha- I told Adam last week. I said the problem now is if WWE does not deliver on its promise and continues to kick fans in the junk and laugh at them. AEW, I think in just two weeks, has presented enough where they could say, bye. Yeah. All right. I'm with you. All right. This was an extended edition of the State of Combat with Brian Campbell podcast. Obviously, you can follow us on Twitter at State of Combat, at BCampbellCBS, at Silverstein Adam, at Jack Crosby, what are the numbers again? I don't remember. One, four, two, three. All right, maybe get a better username on Twitter or something. I don't know. But follow us all on Twitter. Look at our WWE mock draft on CBSSports.com. You know the way the Silver King ends the state of podcast when he gets the opportunity. He doesn't just give you Randy Savage. He gives you the full Savage.
Elizabeth, come on out there, oh, man. Oh. We got something going that's oh, really big, mercy. don't we? Yeah. Look in the video scope right now and tell them about Macho Madness. Tell them how strong it is and tell them where we're going, yeah. Way into the twilight zone, yeah. And Hulk Hogan's got no chance, does he? No. no. Does anybody have a chance against the Macho Man, Randy no, Savage? Nobody. Am I the greatest wrestler, past, present, and future that ever lived? Yes, you are. Okay, now say goodbye. Goodbye. Say goodbye. goodbye. Okay, now get out of here. Oh, right that's now. a little rough, Randy. No, yeah, but it is rough. Yeah, wrestling is a rough sport. And I am the roughest one in the sport. I am the number one wrestler in the world today. Oh, Hulk Hogan, that I will. Uh, thank you, Randy Savage. DC, hit him with those Watch. And NWA. <laughs> you can have it all. Mondays and Fridays are no longer for you. We out. Greetings, Fantasy Warriors. I'm Heath Cummings, your guide to fantasy dominance on FFG Dynasty. Join me this offseason where mock drafts become epic showdowns and every pick shapes your legacy. If, if I was Adam, with the team that he's built, Will Levis makes so much more sense. And that's not all. We're peeling back the curtain on the future with our exclusive 2024 NFL Draft Prospect Profiles. Uncover hidden gems that will elevate your roster to legendary status. Puka Nakua. After Cooper Cup, we really have no idea who's going to get the targets. Keaton Mitchell of East Carolina. Explosive speed is ridiculous. This isn't just a podcast. It's a playbook for champions. Subscribe to FFT Dynasty now, and together, we'll conquer the fantasy football frontier. Your dynasty journey starts here.